Hi, this is Kaylin Smith, creator of Plume, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Good. I think you need a little bit more art on your walls to absorb some of the slapback on your. Oh, I definitely do. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually facing. I think I'm a little closer to the wall than I generally am. But yeah, there is, there's, um, it's where I, I felt it and heard the, the slapback. But yeah, there's, there's going to probably be a shelf over my desk, and, and there's definitely going to be. I'm probably putting some VW art to my left, and I'm probably going to put up some Lobo images. In front of me, because I don't Damn, want you. baby. But yeah, the, as soon as uh, as soon as I finish measuring everything, I'll um, I'll hit Michaels and go get me some frames. All right, uh, let's wrap this episode up. I got a previous video to film. <laughs> Great. Yeah. About time. Seriously. I think you should. Listen, it's not my fault. My wife threw out my previews. Messed up my, 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 my normal process. Yeah, they do that. But back to Dap. Dap, I think you should explore other avenues for framage because Michael's is expensive. Yeah, it really. No, is no, 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 no. Hold on, no, I don't, I don't do it the custom jobs. Oh, no, you just buy the cheap frames. I buy, I buy the basics, and got it, and got it. because they, they have a nice minimal look, there's no nothing extra, nothing, um, nothing covers the art. Yeah, so. but buying frames at Michael's is the cheapest place to buy frames for sure. Yes, mm, getting I, I disagree. Is, well, Dick Blick, really? Dick Blick is cheaper. Uh, I, I, well, I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how I feel Dick about. Dick Blip ain't cheap about nothing. When you order in quantity, they are. Well, what's oh, okay. so well, he's going to need about five to ten, right? I, I, it's easy. I mean, it's, there you go, so Michaels. It's always like seventy percent off frames, like perpetually. Yeah, I get. But I'm, the I'm, prices are are yeah. they're elevated? Nah, dude, it's like six bucks for a frame. Get out of here! Yeah, yeah. Frames at Michaels are stupid cheap if you yeah. do it yourself. Yeah. And we're stupid happy because we're 11 o'clock comics, right? That remains to be seen, but let's find out. All right. We're 11 o'clock comics, and this is episode 601, season two, bitches. (laughs) 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 We can have 600 episodes in a season. We can can have as many as you want. And I am Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. I missed you, and I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. You are rebel scum, but I am not because I am Grand Moff Wilhoof Tarkin. Wow. Why? What have you read? Celebration, yo. What? Uh, Star Wars Celebration is going on right now. Oh, that's nice. Why Why Tarkin, though? He's, he's one, dead. Two, bad well, guys. Why don't, I got an idea. Why don't we have the episode and find out? Oh, okay. <laughs> not that he wants to shit all over you. Nothing. You're not Peter Cushing. You're Jason Wood, everybody. The CGI version of Peter Cushing that appeared in the latest film. Which was okay. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. You're Jason Wood, and we're all here together, everybody. And in case there was any doubt where to get your comics in a sort of bric-a-brac, the absolute cheapest discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, has everything you want at the prices you want to pay. And the list of specials is up as of last week. They are many. But we grabbed three, uh, the first of which is DC's Green Lantern Hardcover Volume 1, Intergalactic Lawman. What, what? From Grant Morrison and the astounding Liam Sharp. It is a twenty four ninety nine hardcover containing issues 1 to 6. 
of the new series. And it's a $24.99 cover price. Uh, you can have it, what, for $12.49. That's half off. And across the pond, there's big doings on this book as well. It's The Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, and everybody else. Alex Ross did some astounding covers. This is a massive hardcover. It collects issues 1 to 10 and material from Avengers, number 684. It's a $34.99 hardcover, again, which is a rarity at Marvel these days. But you, because you're super smart and kind of sexy, you can have it for $17.49. Last up, from Titan Comics. We're going way across the pond. It is Max Allen Collins and Terry Beatty's Ms. Tree, trade paperback volume one, collecting a whole bunch of Ms. Tree issues for $24.99. And you scoff at that price. $24.99. I'm not going to pay that. Of course not. You're going to pay $12.49 because you're getting it from Discount Comic Service. DCBService.com. They don't mind late orders. They don't mind order additions. I do it all the time because I'm stupid. And you get your books shipped right to your very door. What could be easier? Not even the McDonald's drive through That's harder. DCB I was service. just there for Colin. Just really? Colin to McDonald's before we recorded. Yeah. Get some McRib. Ha, dude, you know Colin. He don't eat no meat. Still? No, he uh, he he didn't get a chance to eat dinner because he had a game. He scored the game-winning goal, nice. so we took him and he got a large fry and a vanilla shake. He still doesn't eat meat, bro. Wow. Yeah. Meats. Oh boy. Right. Soon <laughs> he will. <laughs> Keep saying that, but sure, okay. So there you He's go. Sixteen at this point. So when he turns eighteen, he'll get a craving for the meats. Hope so. There you go. I don't know. I'm just blowing smoke out of my ass. The Mm -hmm. meat sweats. I love the meat sweats. The meat sweats. So what do we got? We got we got some drinks going on. I know I do. What you got? Purple drink? No, I got some some fifth point, a Colorado IPA from Woods Boss, and it's it's I only have one of them because it's thirty two ounces. Oh. And last week I got a little bit silly towards the end, and I was like, I got to lay low on these these giant cans because I had two ounces. Shit. Yeah, I had the big can and I had the the other IPA, and it was just a little too much for me for a mm-hmm. weeknight. Mm-hmm. I was feeling kind of kind of dumb the next day. Mm. Well, thirty two ounces is like three bottles, so that's a good amount. Right. It's in a giant okay. giant can. Very nice. Mm-hmm. What I'm drinking the uh, I'm drinking the classic lager of all lagers, Harp, made by our friends at Guinness. Wow, it's it's the lager that controls the weather. Yes, right. Yep. How about you, Captain Dap? Um, once I finish this glass of, I, I started early um, with dinner, so I'm trying to take it slow. But I do have a bottle of. Um, Motto Backbone from California, their Cabernet Sauvignon, to finish, to, to pour into this glass when I finish this gulp of Cab of, I've, oh, Alamos is the um, Cabernet I had earlier. So um, as soon as I finish that, I'll have a little bit of this motto, and then I'll probably chase it all with, with seltzer as the night goes on. Sweetness. Any thank yous before we move this... Uh train down the track yes okay um 
I have to thank the patrons who watched the previous video I posted uh, Friday. Friday. Um, previous video and DCBS reveal. Um, saw this awesome, awesome gift um, from our good friend and housemate, Will Pfeiffer. Um, after we all came back from Chicago, Will um, was at uh, his old home, um, and he found something that he thought I might would want to know if I'd, I'd like this thing that he found, and, and I really would, but he didn't just send it to me. He stopped by his friend's house first because he was in town and he was visiting. Um, so now I own um, from, I really don't know what year, but it is a very heavy duty, nice and sturdy canvas tote bag in red that says Grendel signed by Mr. J. Geldof. And I am going to bring this to every convention we go to and get it signed by anybody who has worked on the Grendel property. That's a good idea. This, it's, it's, I, I'm not kidding when I say that this is a heavy ass tote bag. And, and it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's white canvas. The, um, and according to Will, this, these are actually Jay's handprints making the, um, the Grendel markings for the, um, where the eyes would be on the mask, but um, it is extremely cool. I thank Will so much. Um, I don't think Jay had seen it for years before. Um, yeah, he hadn't seen one of these in a while, I'm pretty sure, until um, Will showed up and, and handed it to him. So thank you so much, gentlemen, both of you. Well, it was the 90s, so books was selling. So they, they probably had a books decent... Books was selling, that's they, for sure. They had a decent amount of Skrilla to make some tote bags. It's true. It's true. You ain't lying. Comics. Those were the heady days. Yep. Vince, now is the time when you ask me why I introduced myself as Grand Moff Tarkin. Brother, why did you introduce yourself as Grand Moff Tarkin? Funny you should ask. <laughs> because I read today a comic that um, was absolutely wonderful, and it was a one-shot, and it is called Star Wars... Age of Rebellion, Grand Moff Tarkin. Hmm. And for those who aren't familiar, and I will admit I am way, way out of touch with the current Marvel Star Wars comics, but the Age of Rebellion is in celebration of uh, Marvel getting the license back and the new movie coming out. So it's basically a bunch of one-shots, essentially, of the classic OG characters. And what piqued my interest about the announcement uh, is that they are all written by Greg Pak, quality writer, Planet Hulk, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the drawings, the artists involved, are two powerhouses. On one hand, you've got Mr. Chris Sprouse. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Can't, it, I mean, Tom Strong, right? Can't. Yeah. On the other hand, Legionnaires. even better... You've got our good friend, Mr. Mark Laming. Yes. So I pre-ordered every one of the one-shots that Mark drew. 
which uh, I don't have it. Off, I don't have it offhand sitting here, but I believe they are uh, the Grand Moff Tarkin, the Boba Fett, the Jabba the Hutt, and the Darth Vader. I think he's doing the villains, and Sprouse is doing the heroes, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless of that, the first of Mark's issues is this Moff Tarkin, a character that we all know from the films, but um, you know he, he certainly was more of a supporting character at, at its best. And I thought this first issue was fantastic. It takes us back to uh, Tarkin's childhood. He was essentially raised in a Darwinian survival of the fittest sort of way. And then we fast forward to those fateful moments when the Death Star is being built and getting ready to be tested uh, and uh, getting ready to destroy Alderaan. Spoilers for those of you who never saw the original trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers. Um, And uh, there's this awesome scene where they go to fire up the – they're running a a simulation. They're going to fire up the Death Star, and there's a malfunction. And – uh, Tarkin asks what what happened, and his his aide de camp says something to the effect of, "Well, in order for it to work, we have a, there's a battalion of gunners, like hundreds, dozens, hundreds. I don't even know how many, uh, and they all have to fire all at once. And if somebody doesn't follow protocol, it's going to malfunction. So he says, "I want to see them all," and uh, they're like, "What?" And he says, "I want to see them all, assemble them." So all the gunners are assembled in one of the the big meeting areas. And Tarkin comes out, and he goes up to the head gunner and uh, starts questioning him. And next thing you know, Tarkin asks him, do you have any scars? And the head gunner says, what? Do you have any scars? Head gunner says, I've got one on my knee here from when I was playing some kind of sport. I, I forget the name of the sport they used. but And all of a sudden, Tarkin punches him in the face, takes off his shirt, and he's covered neck down. I mean, it's every almost every inch of his body's covered in, in wound, like healed wounds and scars. You know, dude has been through the ringer. And he says, This is the kind of this is the kind of life you need to live to make the decisions we need to make. And he pulls out a knife and he hands the, the, the head gunner the knife. And he says, Okay, if you can best me, set this man free. Give him and promote him to captain. He's he's with no repercussions. So of course, what happens? The guy he doesn't want to fight him. He doesn't want to fight Tarkin, but Tarkin goads him into fighting him, and Tarkin kills him right in like two seconds. But then, clip next page scene. It was all in Tarkin's head. It was like a fantasy in the moment. He was fantasizing killing this kid. Instead, he just redresses the kid and tells him, "Get your shit together, or else." And uh, they go about their business. But uh, something else goes wrong again, and then Tarkin's like, "All right, fuck this." And he basically takes all the gunners that have some kind of tie to Alderaan uh, and evacuates them out of of an airlock and kills them and shows everybody he needs business. Uh, And then we cut to the scene where we've seen in the actual film where he's grilling Leia, right? And he says, I'm getting tired of this. You've got one more chance to tell me where the rebel base is. And, um, well, if you've seen the movies, you know what happens from there. So, uh, And that's it. It's just basically a look into Tarkin's life and a little bit behind the scenes of what motivates him and – and uh, away we go. But I, I thought Mark did an amazing job of th- – this is delicate work. Drawing licensed books is tricky. Yep. These are characters that we we in our – I mean they're emblazoned in our minds. We know exactly what they look like. Like you said, when you hear the name Grand Off Tarkin, your mind immediately goes to Peter Cushing. 
And I think in comics, that can be a tricky thing. I talked about it a few weeks ago with uh, Dan Mora with the Buffy. you got to be able to draw the characters so that they evoke the actors that we know and love, but they can't be super photorealistic so that it looks flat. Right. And Laming pulls it off like a champ, like he always does. It looks great. I mean, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. He, he just he, – I can't imagine how much time he put into each of these issues. So two thumbs up. Uh, you know, as someone who feels daunted by trying to catch up with everything that's going on in Star Wars because I'm so far behind, it's it's a lot of fun to just be able to pick up these issues, read them without any precursor, and get a nice single story and then move on with my life. Yeah, but that's all you really need, right? That one scene where he, where he's he's reprimanding the kid and he's the whole scar thing that's going to stick with you. So I think Absolutely. that right, that one scene is pretty much worth the cover price alone. Mm-hmm. In addition mm-hmm. to the great art, but yeah. um, so when when we're talking um, rendering likenesses without reference or seemingly without reference, I always go back to two guys, and you know the big one, Mort Drucker, right? I, I don't yeah. think anybody did it better than Mort. Mm-hmm. But number two on my list is the guy that never, very seldom gets mentioned. John Severin could mm. could capture a likeness without you know making it look. Photo referenced. That's an excellent one. Yeah, yeah. I think George Genty gets some props from me as well. Mm-hmm. I think he was very good at it on Buffy. Um, it's hard. It's hard. I think more more struggle with it than don't. Well, it's it's an impossible task. Hey, make this look like Harrison Ford, but don't use the photos we've all seen a right. bazillion times. Right. And and on the bottom of the scale, I think Cassidy, Cassidy. kind of dropped the ball <laughs> exactly. on that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we don't we have we weren't reading that Star Wars when it first came out, yeah. at least not religiously. I know and it's then, a shame because Jason Jason Aaron wrote it and it, it it is good. What I read of it, what I read of it is very good. But and then 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 you have stories that you're really looking forward to and really have high hopes for, but then the artist decides to pull actual actors into a story that never called for it. And I'm specifically talking about La Roca and New Universal. Oh, yeah. La Roca does that, too. Yeah. I mean, New Universal, I was all set for it because, I mean, we have all read New Universal when it was coming out. But here's Warren Ellis taking a stab at it. And and instead of just, you know, using, referring to characters we're familiar with, it's like now we have appearances by Johnny Depp and Bruce Willis as Justice and 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 Sawyer and and I mean it was and Nicole Kidman it was just why why am I all of a sudden like reading Us Weekly instead of an actual yeah. comic book story and and it's so yeah there's there's definitely in a licensed property if I'm reading a Star Wars comic or a Buffy comic I expect to see characters resemble the actors but in a story that had no basis in in the real world or was ever presented in another medium. I would never have expected them to appear like that. It's just then, then, then all of a sudden I'm reading a cracked or a mad magazine. Mm-hmm. Well, in LaRocca's case, it could be confidence issues because he, he has established in the past that he can draw. Sure. Um, yeah, the, that extreme the, X Men stuff. The Fantastic Four. Yeah. yeah, the he the man is capable of drawing, but from from that point until present, Laroca, you gotta you gotta wonder what happened because if he's yeah. relying on reference, could be confidence issues, could be laziness, could be you know, 
I, I can't see pulling a bunch of screen caps from DVDs taking less time than than just you know using your I mean, ability to just draw. That's the, I mean, it's and if it's I, I can't say it's laziness because he's still he's still pretty prolific. I mean now he's doing the uncanny stuff, but I mean before then he was he was steady working. It's not like it, he's almost like like shaking or land where it's it's like these dudes are are working like almost every month there's there's a comic by them and that is i think with diodato or or i mean galacy for a time it was like almost every month there was a galacy book and i know that years ago we were concerned or wondered if if maybe something was was up with paul only because his his style had shifted so drastically than what we were used to i mean not just talking about the Master of Kung Fu stuff, but even Six from Sirius or Batman work, it's like all of a sudden it's it was very, the difference was very jarring, and yeah, we've seen we've seen plenty of artists kind of make changes. I mean, Jaramita Junior is a prime example, and and he and he refers to it as a deadline style because he just wants to make sure the work gets done, and um, you know whether he's being inked by by Dan Green or. Jim Mooney or, or anybody else on Amazing Spider-Man, and then when he he is inked by by Klaus, or he does things for for Kick-Ass with Superman stuff, there's there's just it, it it could be that I'm sure there time does play a part in it, but um, when when I want if I'm following a creator, I still want to see something that reminds me of that creator that I've followed them over for. Right. Yep. But Jason, it sounds good. I unfortunately did not order those issues, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that they'll all be collected yeah, that's what on, I'm on the, uh, the light and the dark side in the future. And that's, you know what? I, I think that's a really, it's, it's fitting to have Chris Sprouse, Chris Sprouse handling the art on the uh on the heroes of the rebellion um i mean mark is obviously we, we've seen mark draw everything from the king's features characters to um to james bond and and mark is competent enough to handle it all but if if you're going to have um the heroes from star wars i it just it it's almost one of those things where it's I didn't know I needed that until I knew it existed. It, it Sprouse drawing the Star Wars characters just seems like a really good fit to me. I'll probably just get the villains. They're more more interesting to me. Damn straight. Yeah. But I mean Chris Sprouse is is a, gr- a great talent, but yeah, I'll stick with the villains. Especially mm-hmm. Boba Fett. What? Boba. Yeah. But it sounds good. Ends up in this piece. Sounds real good. It was. What else we got? I don't know. Y'all tell me. We got lots of stuff. Massive, massive stories. Were? Yeah. You want to hear about one? I thought that was the point of the show. It is the point. Now, this this is a a very strange tale, and it's not from from Marvel. It's from DC. Mm -hmm. Uh, I took a chance because I got the hardcover uh, for a song. And it, it, it looked interesting to me because it does involve the Justice League Dark, which I enjoy. And uh, this thing was written by – the majority of it was written by Jeff Johns. Then you have Jeff Lemire. Ray Fox did some. And wouldn't you know it, J.M. DeMatteis wrote an issue. 
Uh, it was penciled by a bunch of people, but the principal players are Ivan Hayes, uh, Mikhail Yanin, Doug Mankey, Renato Geddes, Fernando Blanco, and Daniel Sampier. And you have inks by Christian Alamy and a bunch of inkers. And you have color by Brad Anderson and a bunch of colorists. It's a long story. It's 11 issues. And it's called Justice League Trinity War. Now, this is New 52, so I completely blanked on this when it was coming out. Uh, it crosses Justice League 22 and 23, Justice League of America 6 and 7, Justice League Dark 22 and 23, Trinity of Sin Pandora 1 to 3, Trinity of Sin Phantom Stranger number 11, Constantine number 5, and the New 52 Free Comic Book Day special for 2012. Right? So you've got 11 issues and change. The the new 52 free comic book day is not a complete issue. But so you have 11 issues, roughly, and it's essentially a long preamble into an even bigger tale. You're on this massive on-ramp leading to, at the end of this collection, something even bigger, right? But that's not a detraction because it's an intricate story. It's, it's a very detailed and complex um, tale, but... The creative teams, I don't think they never just run in place. You know, there's a lot of wrinkles in the fabric of this thing that they explore, but it's over the course of the 11 issues, they get into a lot of different things, but none of it feels forced or, or fruitless, which you want to call it an event. Go ahead. It crosses over into a bunch of books. When we have a mechanic like that, they sometimes feel padded. Right? Did we really need that power pack issue? Or, you know, did, did, does it have to go into um, Wonder Woman? Why? But for the sake of merchandising and, and selling issues, yeah, that's a big reason. But more often than not, those, those, these tends, kind of stories tend to feel bloated. But this doesn't to me. It's weird. It's a weird story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big story. So I'm going to try and pare it down because there's a lot going on. You have the Circle of Eternity, which uh, reside at the Rock of Eternity, which if you say that, you know exactly who I'm talking about, Shazam, right? So the Circle of Eternity meets, uh, this is a very, very, very long time ago, and they have three humans, and they deem them guilty as being the most despicable transgressors against humanity ever known, right? Um, They are, or eventually they will be known as, one of them's the question, the other one's the Phantom Stranger, and the third is Pandora, right? And they're effectively known as the Trinity of Sin. These three are given immortality, and they're forced to, to bear witness for their sins for all of eternity, right? And Pandora's sin was she opened a box. She didn't know what was going on. She, she got up out of bed one night, and her, she, she wandered around her village, and she sees this thing on the ground. She picks it up, and she opens it, and uh-oh, she unleashes the seven deadly sins unto the world, right? And they're shown here in anthropomorphic form. We see all of them, pride, greed, envy, lust, sloth, wrath, and gluttony. And they're pretty cool looking, right? So a thousands of years after the fact, Pandora is, look, you know, she's, she's looking for the, the box and, and she's, she has the box and she's trying to find humanity's most pure soul because she thinks that that this this incredibly pure soul will be able to open the box and she will trap her children back in their prison, thus freeing mankind from sin, right? 
but there's there's a, a little there's a safety net because should the purest soul not work, she could get the most despicable, darkest soul and and try that right. So over the many years, Pandora has been trained to fight. Right, she's got a pair of mystically forged forty fives, bang bang, to back her up, and so she's on a quest. So who do you think she makes a beeline to to try and open this box? The most purest soul in the DC universe. No guesses? Um, Superman. Oh, okay. Right? At, but at this point, Superman's in a relationship with Wonder Woman, is, as it should be. So Superman touches the box, right? Which is not a box at all. It's a, a, a gold skull with three eyes, and it's dripping in magic. And, and Superman grabs the skull, and the magic is triggered, and Superman freaks out. And apparently there's some kind of connection with the box, but Wonder Woman steps in to break the connection, and the box is still not opened. And Pandora's like, what the hell? This is supposedly the, the purest soul in the DC Universe, and he can't open the box. i got to find something, something else. So seconds later, I mean, absolutely no time is wasted, the League is informed that Shazam is heading to Kandak. And Batman says, you know, this is your fault. And he's pointing at Superman and Wonder Woman. He's like, you too, you did this. You went traipsing over there on your own without, you know, getting the proper cl clarifications or the, the, you know, the clearances. You went into a foreign country. This is your fault. You did this. And everybody thinks it's okay to just go into foreign countries and do shit. You can't do it. So what they don't know is Billy Batson is taking Black Adam's ashes to Kandak, and he he wants to spread his mortal remains, of you know around his his homeland. He he was a villain, yes, but Billy feels like he was he was a human being. I got to do this for him. I just gotta. So you have Shazam in a foreign country. It it doesn't end well, right? Because the Justice League shows up. Amanda Waller's Justice League of America shows up. Um, heroes come to blows, everybody's fighting. Uh, the, the, there's a new member of the Justice League of America, Dr. Light. And we all know that Dr. Light is a living solar battery. And he gets up close and personal with Superman, right? And he begins to siphon that solar energy, and Superman blows his head off with opti <coughs> optic blasts. Superman kills, apparently, Superman kills Dr. Light. Hmm destroys him boom the guy's dead everybody's like what the fuck superman just killed dr light what the hell's going on and there is a shit ton of characters in this so we're talking jla right you got superman wonder woman batman cyborg element woman firestorm the atom uh the flash now this is a combination of justice league and justice league america and justice league dark you got zatanna aquaman uh steve trevor catwoman Vibe is in this, Green Lantern, and it's the Simon Baz Green Lantern, Hawkman, Katana, Martian Manhunter, Stargirl, Green Arrow, and it's it's the Sun, not Ollie. Um, Black Orchid is in here, Phantom Stranger, uh, Boston Brand, Dead Man's in here. There's a shit ton of characters in this thing, right? So it's part murder mystery. Because there's a good portion of the League-centric issues that are devoted to just figuring out whether or whether or not Superman did murder Dr. Light, right? And there's clues all over the place. Dr. Psycho 
was reported to have been in Kandakta, same time as the incident. You know, loyalties are tested. Most of them side with Superman. You know, it's Big Blue. He couldn't have done this, right? But there's some that aren't so sure, like Amanda Waller. She created the Justice League of America specifically to counter the JLA, should they go rogue, right? So she's a little bit wary, and she throws a bunch of rocks at Firestorm, and she's like, dude, you're going to make me some kryptonite. And he's like, he's like, what? He's like, no, you're going to make me some kryptonite. And he finally does it. So now Waller has a huge chunk of kryptonite to take down Superman. Uh, Madame Xanadu's kidnapped because she has the ability to see the future. So whoever's behind this thing doesn't want, you know, the cat out of the bag. Um, it, um, um, Madame Xanadu knows that there's a traitor somewhere within the leagues, right? But there's no no off-limits realms in this thing, even though... Um, What's the angel's name? Oh, Zariel. Zariel told Phantom Stranger, you are never to come back to heaven. You just can't do it. If you come back, I'll kill you, right? So if you have a murder mystery, one of the uh, principal players uh, being the deceased, what would you want to do? You want to interrogate or ask the least to ask the deceased questions, right? So Phantom Stranger takes Batman, Deadman, and Katana to heaven, and they're going to interrogate Dr. Light, Batman's like, this is not right. This is, this is, you know, this is pretty stupid. But they get there and heaven looks different depending on the belief system of each soul. Like if, if, uh, it's, it's relative. The geography of, of heaven is relative, right? So Bruce sees Wayne Manor and mommy and daddy are sitting there on the couch and they're reading, um, a Christmas tale. Uh, to to Bruce and then Katana sees her dead husband and so on and so forth right so I mean there's a big price to pay because they eventually um, Phantom Strangers killed because he he transgressed he didn't listen to Zariel and Zariel just killed him right so all the while this entire story Superman keeps getting sicker and sicker and sicker he looks terrible right Vandal Savage is reduced your favorite yes this is awesome vandal she she feels like okay if i can't get the purest soul i'll go for the most despicable and she gives this the skull to vandal savage and he's reduced to like a, a blubbering simpering mess which was made the entire series for me right simon baz <laughs> is repeatedly told that he's no hell jordan there's there's one thing uh one scene where um flash goes to uh, Simon, he says, Hal would have done that a lot faster. And, oh, snap. and Batman constantly says, you know, you're no Hal Jordan. Mm-hmm. So it's tough being Simon Bass, right? One of the cooler things, Constantine steals the power of Shazam from Billy Batson. Hmm. So you get to see what it would be like if Constantine was Shazam. Yeah, it's a cool story, but it's, I'm saying, it's long. I love the character of Pandora. Mm-hmm. But it's a. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to poop on it because, um, like I said, it's eleven issues, but it's basically an introduction to what comes next. Mm-hmm. Because when the traitors revealed, the traitor was working for someone, somewhere else, and in the in the last issue, the this this group, I'll give you a clue. It's called Trinity War. Right, so you have there are multiple mm-hmm. trinities in this thing. You have Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, the traditional trinity. You have the trinity of sin 
in Pandora, or, uh, Pandora, Phantom Stranger, and uh, the question. But there's another trinity. And it's the first time this trinity was introduced in the New 52. And they bring along their buddies with them. Okay. Any guess? Uh, it's a literal trilogy. Trinity. Literal. Literal. Yeah, so it's Ultraman and it's the crime syndicate. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I don't know where it goes because at the, mm -hmm. the last issue, the crime syndicate busts in and it's like, it ends. It just ends. And it's a big trade too, big hardcover. But um, I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. um, the MVP is Ivan Heiss. This guy is just remarkable. Um, I put it up on the uh, 11 o'clock uh, comics page, uh, the gallery. There is a double-page splash in the last issue with Constantine holding the skull, and everybody's in it. And Heist just annihilates it. Like, here, I want you to draw everybody in this story <laughs> and, and make it look good. You got Hawkman and Wonder Woman, Shazam, Aquaman. Like, everybody's in this image. Frankenstein is in this thing. Frankenstein. And it's just, it's it's totally astounding. Like, I don't, I mean, I know Heiss is, uh, Heiss is a, a big, he's a big gun. But I don't really think we realize how big of a gun he is. The guy's just, he murders everything he touches. Mm -hmm. He just... Great well, stuff. He was the uh, the artist at the helm of Blackest Night as well. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. But so if you like, there's a lot of magic in it, you know. Um, and uh, when you, when you have Superman up for murder, it's 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 big deal. So it, that roped my interest right there. But you have um, the the dark and and icky side of the DC universe. You have the the paranoid side with Amanda Waller. And uh, I'm guessing that Justice League America didn't last too much longer than this because the uh, – unless they got new members because the members don't seem to be comfortable um, being created just to take out the the, the JLA, you know. So mm -hmm. it, I thought it was great. And I just – like I said, back in the day, I didn't want anything to do with this. And that I is just, true. I got, it, I got it for cheap and I read it and I loved it. Nice. Where it goes from here, I don't know. Yep. So if you have uh, an Ollie's next to you, <laughs> uh, seek them out because I got this uh, $29.99 11 issue hardcover for six bucks. Boom. Yep. Nice. It's a way to do it. Cheaper than buying the single issues, right? That's right. What else? Yeah. Digging in the crates. What else we got? Uh, I read the second issue, which I probably can't talk too much about because, according to its list, you can talk about whatever you want. I only read the first issue so far. Um, Cosmic Ghost Rider destroys Marvel history. The second issue is Spider Man, right? Second issue is Spider Man, and with that being the case. I am not at all put off by the artist switch because um, we have drawing this book, somebody who was not solicited to draw this book when it was initially um, 
offered, but this is illustrated by Mr. Todd Nock and Antonio Fabella on colors, still written by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti. Um, yes, this is whereas the first issue was kind of um, Frank as uh, his um, pretending he's he's his uncle, his uncle Fredo, while he's talking to uh, his wife um, shortly before Frank's family is murdered. Um, the first issue was kind of just him shooting the shit, talking about things that uh, Ghost Rider was involved in over the years of Marvel history, whereas this one is, as been said, is is all about Spider-Man. And um, and and I have the um, the the pretty spiffy Marcos Martin variant cover because it's it's hella trippy, um, but it's uh, a lot of the art has um, that 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 funky trying to make it look old school dot pattern uh, for the um, for the colors and then of course I don't want to call it present day but in the past when when Fredo is talking to um to frank's wife that's when it looks more uh modern day color but it's 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 still it's still clever it's still witty frank as his older self as 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 the alter ego of of cosmic ghost rider uh just happens to be there when um He's 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 driving the car when a young Peter Parker who was just earlier that day bitten by the radioactive spider and we've we've always seen that panel in, in Amazing Fantasy fifteen where the car is driving by and Peter jumps up on the side of the building and uh and comes to the realization that he can stick to things. Ghost Rider is driving that car about to, to run him off the street and, and Ghost Rider is um, behind the Amazing Spider in the ring after he beats Crusher Hogan. Um, Frank is a photographer at the Daily Bugle who Peter is, is trying to get a job with. So he's trying to basically put himself in Peter's early life. He's there when... Um, when Peter quits being Spider-Man, when he's amazing Spider-Man no more, and he's going to just live his life with Gwen. Um, Frank is saying that he was instrumental in, in getting um, Peter to return to Spider-Man. Frank's also the reason why the actress who looked like Aunt May, Frank is who killed her and brought Ben Riley and Peter Parker together. Um, it's just, it. if you know Spidey's history, there are things that are going to be, that might be funnier or uh, at least more amusing as it is on its own, because you know, it's all just Frank making shit up. It's, it's still an amusing tale. Todd's art is really solid. I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with, with the way this book looks. Um, the uh because it's Frank telling the story and he's trying to impress uh his soon to be dead wife. He's he's making jokes at um 
at Peter's expense, um, based on some of the conversations that uh, Peter has with whoever he's facing. Like it starts off with uh, with Spider-Man versus Venom, and and Peter realizes that in order to get the uh, to, to stop this fight, knowing that the symbiote wants Peter. He's basically like, okay, yeah, you know, you, you want me? Come take me. I'm yours. And that's when the symbiote is is leaving Betty, and and Peter's just screaming, "You want to be a part of me? Well, now I want you. Come and get me." And and Eddie's like, "No, I'm going to pound you so hard for this Spider Man." And it's like, and and it's just you know, if he, now there's these two dudes in their underwear on the beach, and it's it's just if you heard this out loud, it would be um, kind of perverted or, or it's it, there's some moments that where, where, where that kind of humor comes into play uh we get an appearance by the sin eater um and 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 the death of gene the wolf um there's scenes of, of spider-man versus daredevil from that whole storyline there's um the time in in Peter and Mary Jane's life where they were living on opposite coasts and they went to go see each other but they were on planes heading in each other's directions after the other had already left um there's an appearance by dr doom and and it's all just as much as i enjoy the first issue i enjoyed the second that much more partly because of todd's art partly because it's it's spider-man it's got such a focus on spidey but um the the issue ends with um with things put in motion to get to where um, Frank Stark's day is actually about to happen. And it looks like possibly the third issue, just going by the cover, because I don't remember the solicit, um, it might be dealing with the X-Men. And if the cover's any indication, possibly Phoenix. But, um, yeah, I... I um, because I do like Cosmic Ghost Rider, I wanted... I was, I was going to check the series out. I didn't know how straightforward it was going to be or if, if, if they were going to try to tell an actual story trying to maybe tie things together. Or, But as this is, it's, it's like... It's almost like he's roasting specific characters or stories, in, in, at least in the first two issues. So we'll, we'll see how it continues. As as this miniseries keeps going, but I I dug it quite a bit. I um, it is it, it's weird. It, normally, I'm I'm just glad to say that they're not. It doesn't seem like they're trying too hard to be funny. Um, and there's two writers on it. They obviously know the the characters. They know the history, um, and they're having fun with it. And and they're using characters that you know th- this. Deadpool can only be in so many comics. So for something like Cosmic Ghost Rider, who does have the ability to um, do these things, it it, it makes sense. So um, yeah, I looking forward to seeing where the next issue is going. And and I really didn't feel that way after reading the first issue. So I am I'm digging it so far. It does require a huge suspension of disbelief, though. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah because so Frank would some, not you know, Frank would not know all this. Um, he, you could attribute it to him being cosmically aware. Okay, right. that's yeah, and the fact that he's lived a long time. Right. That too. I mean, he he could have heard it second or third hand, but yeah. And I mean, you're not going to go into this thing saying, "Well, Frank would never know that. Why would he know that?" You just got to lay back and just let it go. Right. I mean, there's this um, when when he talks to uh, Sergeant Carter, who was the lead on on the the, the Dwarf murder case. Um, there's a, a photo of of Nick Fury on his desk and when spidey picks it up he says you know how do you know david hasselhoff and he goes that's nick fury he's like it was a joke why do you have his photo and they kind of just so so they 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 use it's not like it's it's not like it's marvel saga where, where where they're trying to just let you know verbatim what happened in certain there's just it's it's you know, yeah, Frank wouldn't know everything, and because of because of the way the humor is is the story is told using this type of humor, it's obvious that uh, Frank is filling in blanks and and using and and trying to be funny about it at the same time. So it's it's in that regard, it's it kind of fits because of the way the story is being told and who's telling the story so it's 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 not one of those things where you're reading it and you're like okay yeah this this isn't this isn't the way this would happen but you know there's also you know the what if with with punisher killed the marvel universe and there's so so we've had over the years we've had plenty of stories where um things weren't quite always what and and who's to say that you know this is actually even canon it's just it's it's Frank shooting the breeze, pretending to be his uncle, um, with his wife while she's still alive for the next few hours. Yeah, revealing his alter ego to his prepubescent son. Yeah, yes, it's the little things. <laughs> He's not yeah. thinking. He's just not thinking. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a superhero too. And he bursts into flame. The kid's like, "Whoa, that's awesome." I'm not thinking about scarring this kid for the rest of his life, you know? Well, no, because the rest of his life is 15 more minutes. <laughs> well, <so>. still. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's a good series. I'm glad that uh, Knock is on issue two. That's a that's a good uh, good thing. It's a good fit. Yeah. He's doing good work on that. Um, it, it, it even makes me, it pains me to say it, that Mystery Science 3000 book. He's doing real good stuff over there. Are you reading that? I am. Wow. Okay. I like it. Cool. More than I ever enjoyed the the uh, the actual show. Mm. Which in- that's that's unusual to read in a licensed book for a property that you weren't a fan of. The reason why? Well, it's it's the hook, right? Knock was the one that got me to the door. I, I like Knock's work a lot, but the fact that Mike Manley is taking old public domain comics. And reworking them and inserting the the mystery science three thousand characters into the narrative seamlessly, mm-hmm. so it it's doing what the show does for movies. The comic is doing it for comics, and it just it conceptually it makes sense. It's fun, you know. And like I said, the creative teams Manley's doing killer work. You can't tell what's not vintage 
You know, he's 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 um, his line work is so close to the the original public domain comics that it's seamless. It's beautiful, and I love it. And it makes sense to me where a bunch of guys sit in a room making fun of the movies I love. That's not going to win me over. Right. Right. Yeah. There you go. Jason, pick up the baton. Pick up the damn baton. Um, well, I mentioned last week that I read a crap ton of uh, graphic novels. Mm-hmm. And uh, needless to say, I couldn't get through them all last week because we couldn't talk about all OGNs all the time. But uh, but I'll pick that up. I'll, I'll grab that baton and run with it. So um, probably, what, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, uh, a cartoonist by the name of Lorena Alvarez published a book called Nightlights, which I absolutely adored. It sung its praises on the show. For those that don't remember, it, Nightlights was a story of a little girl who um, comes across a classmate, or so she thinks, uh, who turns out to be a ghost, and uh, she goes into this ghost nightmarish land and has an adventure. It was creepy, but but not really in a horror sense, just more you know, more um, more like Alice in Wonderland kind of freaky. Um, but it was wonderful. It was fantastic, and it was an all-ages book, and I recommended it to everybody. So it was with much delight that uh, that I saw a few months ago that Lorena is back for more. Um, keeping in the same universe, she has released Hicotee, which is H-I-C-O-T-E-A, um, subtitled A Nightlight Story. Uh, in this we are uh, picking up sometime after the Nightlight's adventure, and the same protagonist is uh, in place. It was a, a f- female student named Sandy who goes to a all-girls Catholic school, and this time the adventure is um, they start off in a biology class dissecting animals and like, and um, a lot of the girls are kind of grossed out by it, and they decide they're going to take a field trip to the park to study the biology of the park and uh um you know they, they're kind of wandering around and and she she comes across a a turtle shell uh where the turtle is is hidden inside to protect himself the shell so she trying to get its attention she looks inside the shell she looks and says oh it's empty and then next thing you know she crawls into the shell and inside the shell is a pocket universe and she walks into a room, and it's this wonderfully colored, just crazily colored uh, geodesic dome type of a room where there's just paintings of all different sorts just jam-packed on the walls. And uh, the curator of this little art gallery is a uh, sweater-clad old turtle named Hickety. And he's like, what you doing here, girl? And uh, he takes her for a walk around his his little pocket dimension. And there's all kinds of amazing art and scientific um, constructs. Like there's things like, like the Da Vinci, the Da Vinci kite plane and uh, genetic maps and just all sorts of crazy, crazy, you know, structures and, and art forms. And he takes her on a little journey, but then at some point uh, everything goes blank and she comes to, and, uh, the, the landscape changes to a all white and gray and muted pink landscape, like a barren wasteland. And there's some familiar structures, but there's no sign of Hickety or any other life. And Sandy's wandering around trying to figure out what's going on. Um, she comes across a, uh, a mage like hooded big eyed creature. And it turns out to be the, 
uh, frog that uh, her friend was dissecting in the class. And uh, he takes her further on the journey, and they come across a giant bear that uh, has, like, peyote, and there's all kinds of uh, other psychedelic creatures. And it's just this crazy psychedelic journey about life and biology and how everything is interconnected. And um, much like with Nightlights, the, the, the thing that doesn't get properly conveyed in talking about these books is just the astounding nature of the artwork. Just these incredibly detailed, uh, fully painted multimedia renderings that just have every color under the sun, uh, all kinds of crazy uh, illustrations, both biological and, and, and mechanical. And um, it, it just it's like the it's like the deepest recesses of of the subconscious mind, uh, you know, put on a page. And uh, it's something else I'll tell you. Um, and uh, she goes on her adventure and I, I won't get into the uh, crux of, of what she's trying to do on this mind journey or, or what happens. But uh, it, it does eventually resolve itself, um, not without some run ins with some ne'er do wells like there's a, um, a group of crows that uh, are drawn and they're probably the creepiest looking crows I've ever seen. These giant yellow eyed, uh, piercing eyed, you know, almost they're almost they're drawn to be almost like a swarm, like as if it's like a biological flying centipede of, of crows that, that all work and act together. Um, and she has to deal with them. And uh, eventually she does figure everything out and put it all back into its place and ends up back, uh, you know, at home where she ends the first book as well. But wow, is this just a, cartooning tour de force it is um I, I just if you've ever wondered how much you can do with a color template uh in a sequential story it, it's you need to look at her work so um this is uh published by uh nobrow as the first book was as well and uh, i sure hope that we get more she um she's actually from bohata uh i should mention from Colombia. so uh this is the second installment and i'm sure we're gonna get more because Sandy is safe and sound, and uh, and after these two masterpieces, why wouldn't there be more? So uh, definitely give this a try. This is a book that you can definitely read with your kids, but I would definitely do it like with them. I wouldn't just hand it to them because uh, they're pretty freaky, crazy ideas. So like, if your kid would be scared from, let's say, Willy Wonka or Alice in Wonderland or anything like that, um, this probably – you have to be careful with it. If this is the, if those are the kinds of stories that don't bother them at all, you know things like Roald Dahl books or James and Giant Peach. If if those are things that they enjoy, then I think these books would be right up their alley. Fun fact: mm. Do you know what the device um, Da Vinci's kite plane was called? Can't think of it offhand. Ornithopter. There we go. Yep. There Oddly go. enough, it's also a magic card. Oh, nice. Yeah. Artifact. Mm-hmm. Flies. Woohoo. Woohoo. That sounds good though. Oh, it's amazing. I don't know if it's it's up either of your alleys per se, but but uh but it's it's a triumph of cartooning, I'll, I'll tell you that. Well, I think you are the most willing to, to walk outside your yard among all of us. Oh yeah. Well, and this wasn't even really that because I love Nightlight so much that I had no doubt I would enjoy the follow up. Yeah. I'm gonna keep an eye on that. Do some little bit of research after this, maybe. I'll, <laughs> you do that. Yeah, scope it out. Yeah, <laughs> well, I should you... put a couple images into the uh, montage though, because they're a sight to behold. Um, Want me to send you a few? That would be awesome. Okay. Or or just put them in. Uh, I'll have to remember how to do that, but okay. Easy peasy, but just send them to me. Okay. Nice. I got another one. You better. From uh, it's another one of my Ollie's acquisitions. 
This was written by Matteo Casali and Brian Azzarello. Illustrated by Giuseppe Camoncoli, Jim Lee, uh, Diego Latore, and Gerald Perel. Colors are by Alex Sinclair and the respective illustrators. It's called Batman Europa. Any of you guys read this? No. No. It is freaking weird. Mm-hmm. It, it starts off, Batman's fighting Killer Croc. And he's not having an easy time. And Croc's like, you're getting old, bitch. I'm taking you out. And, well, eventually Batman overcomes Killer Croc. But it takes a long time. His, his reflexes are not what, they're, what they should be. Um, the reaction time's down. His strength is waning. He's like, oh, we're just having a bad day. I don't know what's going on. So he gets back to the Batcave. And Alfred's like, um, Master Bruce, we got a little bit of a problem. The Batcave computer has been hacked. And writ large on the monitor. It's really cool. It says Colossus. And it, it's a nice little tip of the hat to the classic Colossus, the Forbin project. You ever see that? Um, but mm-hmm. the, the virus is, is, is worrisome because it's a virus in your computers. But the virus is a clue because Batman slowing down. And his his timing being off and his strength is ebbing is because he's he's not feeling himself. He's dying. He's he's been infected with an airborne virus. So what do you do when your bat computers are hacked and they just left you a clue while you follow the hack back to the source, right? So he he finds himself in Berlin, and he's he makes his way towards the uh, the origin of the hack. And someone got there before him. He walks down this this through this room, and there's a bunch of people um, strewn about the room with the uh, uh, effects of Smilex, uh, the Joker. <laughs> the Joker got there before him, and it 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 turns out this this young woman, this hacker named Nina, was working for someone, and. Um, the affliction that is uh, taking down Batman is also taking down the Joker. Mm-hmm. So they have to team up and work together <laughs> in order to to not die. Right? It's a simple premise, but the the, the joy is only four issues. The real joy is the interplay between Batman and the Joker, and they're hopping across Europe. Um, they they fight these these clockwork automatons, giant. Eventually, a, a giant clockwork creature that swallows the Joker in his stomach and bursts into flame. And uh, there's a Parisian Joker cult that um, masquerade as the Joker, male, female. Uh, they hang on his every word. He's, he's like the Messiah to them. And Batman's like, I, th- I, I think I'm a little bit out of my out of my element here. Um, but Batman and the Joker eventually, I mean, through the whole story, they're getting sicker. And sicker, much like Superman in Trinity War, they're, they're, they, they need to find who did this to them. And I'm not going to spoil the, uh, the, revela- the, re- the revelation of who's behind this. this are you sending them through the slack? He is, He's like Skype. 12 years old. Or through the Skype. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Where am I supposed to send them? Email, dude. And so oh, okay. that's all right. We're good. And so there's a big bad, but... 
I want to talk about one very surprising incident in this book that I think the creative teams kind of they balked a little bit at at uh, representing what they should have because it's implied and it happens off panel, but they should have done it on panel because the mystery here, and if you don't want to be spoiled, then I won't tell you the big bad, but I will tell you what the cure to the disease is because it hinges on what I want to talk about. So fast forward if you don't want to know. They're both each other's antidote. Uh-huh. Joker's blood can cure Batman. Batman's blood can cure Joker, which is as it should be because <clears throat> they're nothing without each other, right? So it, it's heavily, I mean, they're both bleeding and they're battered and they're sweating and they're, they're sick and dying. And it's very, very strongly implied that the Joker kissed Batman to, to, to transfer the, the bodily fluids and they uh-huh. they don't show it on panel and i th- i really think they should have because it's totally in keeping with the joker's character joker would do that right bruce would probably rather die <laughs> than than kiss the joker but you got to do what you got to do to stay alive and they just gloss over it a batman's wiping his mouth in the one panel and it's drawn by perel it's a ama- or not drawn it's painted by Perel, it's amazing, and he's wiping his mouth with his glove, and he's and he's, ugh, he's just not having it. But why wouldn't they show that? That would have launched this thing into the stratosphere because it it would have pissed off a whole lot of people, and it would have been in keeping with. I mean, in, unless they're going to do something really unnatural or or icky, uh, the only way to really transfer fluids is is by mouth, right? And they don't show it. The Joker's tongue, his teeth are all bloody and he's licking the blood off his end. And, and Batman's like, I'll try not to throw up. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was great. It's a really good series. And the first issue is drawn by Jim Lee. And it's a much looser Jim Lee than we're used to seeing, which is great. But um, colors were by Alex Sinclair. And they're way too hot. They're 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 just... They're just too bright. He uses a lot of green, and it's 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 eye searing in some spots. And not just the Joker's hair. Uh, there's a lot of greens in in his uh, color palette, and it's just it's it's too hot. It's too too high chroma. It doesn't work. But uh, it looks great, and the the series gets progressively better looking from the Jim Lee issue, if you can believe that, right? But get this. Cam and Coley did layouts for Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. Cam and Coley did all the plotting, uh, and Jim Lee did just the, the refining of it. So that's a huge get for Cam and Coley to be uh, doing the layouts for Jim Lee. Like what? Uh, but it's a, it's an international affair because, as the story, you got Casali and Cam and Coley are Italian, right? Latore is what is that noise? Latore is Spanish and Perel is French. So you got, as is the, I mean, the story. Europa. Right. The the story hops all over Europe. Then this is cool that the creative teams are um, similar geographically. But uh, the last issue is by far the best looking. Uh, Perel makes them all look bad. 
It's just astounding. It's fully painted. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous art. Um, issue three may throw you a little bit because it's, uh, to my eyes, it's mostly digital and it's garish and dark and almost looks like one of the color plates was shifted a bit because it has a 3D looking um, air to it and that's before you put the glasses on, meaning that one of one of the color plates is, is drastically shifted to whatever direction to make it look a little bit off and a little bit blurry. Um, and it's, uh, again, Kamikoli did the layouts for everybody here. This was drawn by, or the finished art is by Diego Latore. And it's, it's, it's very good looking, but it's just, it's very dark, very, very dark and, and disturbing as it should be because both of them are dying in Paris. Yeah, it's good stuff. And, um, I think I got it for four bucks, the hardcover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it was fiend. It was a very worth. Hey, if you could get this stuff for the, almost the price of a single issue, you're getting a hardcover. Like, why not? But uh, right. I, I, again, this is a Batman story that uh, I obviously hadn't read, but it's one that I'll remember for its its lack of one panel. I think they should have included the kiss. That would have been great. Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, this was, I don't know when this was released. Let me check for you completists out there. It looks like um, 2016, 2015, around there. I do remember this being solicited. Yeah. There's only four issues. It's not going to break the bank. But I mean, if you, right. if you have a, a place that remainders these DC hardcovers, you can get it for far less than, than cover price. Is it entirely possible that this was translated, that this was actually published in Europe? I have absolutely no idea. I'll check I the... Wanna, uh, I, I, f- I feel like it may have been. But I do remember it being solicited because Kim McCauley, of course, being on, on Spidey as, as long as he was, I was happy to see him drawing a Batman book. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about... It says published by DC Comics. Okay. Oh, compilation and all new material, copyright 2016 DC Comics. Originally uh-huh. published in single magazine form in Batman Europa 1 to 4, copyright 2015 DC Comics. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't say that. This was joint effort. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Nice. Uh, we all like to lump on Jim Lee, but he draws a great Batman. He really does. It's it, it's the other things that he, uh, you know. And I, I bought Superman Unchained, too. I have yet to read it. But I remember we, we read the first issue back when it came out, and I don't think we were all that hot on it. But I got that, too. The That's super so unlike this. Yeah. So there you go. Batman Europa. That was fun. I dig it. In a, in a very, you know, sadistic way. Watching... The Joker and Batman progressively die. Kind of neat. Right on. Yeah. Definitely sounds better than, uh, and I'm sure it looks better than the, um, than the Kevin Smith, Walt Flanagan, widening Geyer and whatever the hell else the, um, with Joker and his, and his Merkin. Oh, I didn't read that. Yeah, you lucky bastard. Merkin. 
<laughs> it's, that's fitting for Kevin Smith, though. <laughs> I know, which is which is why it was so unfortunate, especially after um, bringing back Green Arrow and and or bringing back Oliver Queen and and writing Guardian Devil. It was just it was. I mean, yeah, it, he definitely he has an audience, and and he has. You know, I, I don't expect him to. You know, not everything is red state. I mean, he's still the guy that gave us chasing Amy and Mole Rats and Dogma. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's fine. It was just, it's fine if that's what you were expecting. And I kind of wasn't, that's on me. It's fine. I'm sure other people enjoy the story. Um, as, as far as somebody who runs a, a it's, it's when it comes to people who, who should draw Batman, I, I, I think Walt should just stick with managing the secret stash. But, um, Given given the option, I probably would have rather have read Batman Europa. And Jason, get this. Mm-hmm. They have a ton of the Chad Harden, Harley Quinn hardcovers uh-huh. for mm-hmm. like six bucks a pop. God damn. I think they're worth love it, right? There's more love than that. You liked it, right? Didn't you? Oh, my God. I love that run. That's my yeah. favorite. That's one of my favorite DC runs of all time. Yeah. I may go back for them. You, you freaking need to. Yep. <laughs> Neat. Did we all do our homework? I think we did. What were we supposed to read? Well, speaking of Brian Azzarello. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk. Did speak. You read it? I did read it. It's on my list. Mr. Brian Azzarello wrote this comic as well with art by Maria Love with uh, letters by End World Design. Published by Boom Studios, uh, self-described erotic thriller, Faithless Number One, yeah. with a Paul Pope cover to boot. I well, that's this, this not book, on Jason's list, but yeah, I told you I read it though. I told you to read it. Yep. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, for God, he's going to give Vince shit about his list. You know, I just figured, hey. Okay, but you knew I read it because I said, hey, you guys got to read this. Um. The, the, the book had me at the first page. <laughs> I mean, I knew it. It's it's straight Minara. I mean, <laughs> Maria Lovett, I assume, is one of Milo Minara's illegitimate children. I'm presuming because she channels him very much in this book. Um, so, if you all know what Milo Minara's art looks like beyond the uh, uh, face down, ass up Spider Woman cover that got him in hot water, <laughs> um, that's what this book looks like. Um, now, I could see this book being a little divisive because. It's uh, the protagonist is a um, listless millennial who speaks in the slang, mm-hmm. and uh, that could probably annoy some folks of our generation. But again, when I'm introduced to her masturbating and uh, and failing to bring herself to orgasm, I'm uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give her a long leash. <laughs> and um, so after that opening scene, we are she's kind of hanging out the central perk, um, some kind of a cult coffee kitschy store that you'd find in Brooklyn somewhere called the blue house, blue house coffee. And she's uh, hanging with her friends and they're just chatting it up. And, uh, she is a self, uh, a self professed, um, a cult, a cultist. She, she loves the occult. She is, uh, draws the cult symbology. She tries to write and come up with spells. It's her thing. Um, and it's not clear what else she really does, if anything, to make a living. 
but her her friends are always giving her shit because her spells never work. Because why would they? Because it's presumably spells don't work, right? This is the real world. Um, and she bumps into a blue-haired vixen, uh, literally bumps into in the coffee shop and spills coffee on on the the young woman. And uh, in in uh, a scene I would like to see reenacted, she gives no fucks at all in the. The, the blue-haired vixen takes her coffee-colored blouse off right in the middle of the coffee store and sticks it in her bag and pulls out another shirt and puts it on and just goes about her merry way. Uh, and uh, this sparks up a friendship between the two. And um, in the midst of this, it turns out that she jumped into the coffee store to try and avoid uh, a boyfriend she had just broken up with named Michael. But Michael's persistent, and he, uh, he, finds, he finds Poppy, the blue-haired girl, and uh, he wants closure. He's like, I don't get it. I thought you loved me. Why is it over? And she's basically like, dude, I told you, get the fuck out of here. I don't love you. You know, gets to getting. And, uh, and you know, they go about their, their way. I mean, basically, it, he, he's, he's told to get lost, and he does. And the girls go, and they're continuing their flirtatious first, first encounter. I don't know if you really want to call it a date. I guess it's a date. Maybe a soft date, but they're shooting pool, having some day, some day drinking, as it were, and uh, and uh, you know, looking sexy and whatnot, and flirting. And uh, suddenly, there's breaking news on the bar TV, and it's a dude standing on a building, and dude jumps off the building and commits suicide, and it's none other than Michael, the guy who was giving them grief before. So our protagonist freaks out. She's like, what, what the hell is going on here? You know, you have to wonder, was it was, was it her that had that happen? Is it just coincidence? And, um, you know, but but uh, but but Polly's like, get over it. It's all good. Don't worry about it. You know, shit happens. And she gets over it a little too quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. yeah as if yeah. So she's like, buy me a drink. And she's like, well, and then and then uh, she's like, well, I don't have any money. But uh, she does something pretty cool because the next <laughs> she bumps into a, an Asian businessman and, and pickpockets him. But rather than just take the wallet, she pickpockets him in order to give him back the wallet to say, sir, you dropped your wallet, counting on the fact that he would reward her with some of the cash in the wallet as a thank you. And that's exactly what happens. So it shows you that she's not like a hardcore bad person, right? I mean, she 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 stole the wallet betting that it would lead to a reward versus just stealing the wallet because she wanted money. Uh, and it works. She gets a, she gets a Benji. And uh, they use that money to uh, continue on their they're day drinking. They roll back to her crib, start looking through uh, her, her little notebooks of doodles and drawings. And uh, Polly professes to be quite smitten with, uh, with, with the drawings. But again, these are the things you say when you're trying to hook up with a, with a new encounter. And um, basically, they're, uh, you know, they're continuing to get to know each other. They, they see Polly's amazing art collection of, of herself. It's all paintings of her. Um, and, uh, and finally, uh, Poppy, I keep saying Polly, Poppy, sorry. I don't know why I'm saying Polly, but stick in mind. Her name is Poppy, the blue haired girl. Um, finally, our protagonist takes a shower and, uh, is, uh, in, uh, you know, in full, full Monty and, uh, gets her shower on and Poppy, uh, says, Hey, needs a, need a hand. She gets in the shower in classic Venara form which leads to them uh, making sweet, sweet love to each other and uh, quite graphically for a few pages until she gets uh, her to orgasm, which recall in the beginning of the book, she was unable to do herself. And then the last page completely flips everything and turns it on its ass. 
because yeah. what happens after the orgasm, I did not see coming. And mm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nor say, did I. Nope. Yeah. What did you think of that? I mean, you like the you like the disgusting, so I'm sure that probably. Oh, I thought it was great. Yeah, improved your 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 opinion of the book. I I'm not a woman, but if I were, I was I would guess that a bunch of that between my legs would would pretty much do the trick, right? Um, but I think you glossed over the fact. I I have no doubt in my mind that faith is being manipulated by by oh, sure, yeah, because the the paintings she's she professes to be a muse to all these artists, so she knows how to manipulate people. She she knows how to network and telegraph her her persona, and I th- I think nothing good is going to come of this. I, I, I th- agree. Well, the book is called Faithless. Yeah, yeah. Right. But no, I mean, if you start off with the occult angle and the faith is drawn sigils and 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 working her her uh, her magics and stuff, so you you got me. But you were right. I thought the uh, the jargon and the uh, the banter was a little bit heavy-handed, especially in the coffee shop. Sure, the coffee shop. It was definitely, hey, we're a bunch of slick millennials. Yeah, yeah. I, I it felt a little bit like Azarello trying to, <laughs> to write, trying to be Bendis, trying to be millennial. You know, like that's not actually how they'd be talking to each other. But Azarello was like, oh, this must be how they talk to each other. Yeah, and it just feels like he's trying to cover all the bases, right? You, you know, you have. Um, young lesbian or at least lesbian curious girl you got the 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 friend who's male but is is obviously transitioning right it, it just seems let's let's have this little checklist of all the the different um gender types i can include in this i, I it it wasn't it didn't turn me away but it just seems like he was doing due diligence and trying to just include a, a diverse and again there's nothing wrong with diversity right but it just seems like it's it, parts of it were by the numbers where mm-hmm. you know but it wasn't bad you know i will say i love the scene where michael comes to um you know at least try and get some closure with with poppy and when uh he decides to relent it's after faith touches him which is is very uh, indicative of maybe she just made a little circuit, made a spell without knowing it, and mm-hmm. and got him to. So she faith could be the reason why he killed himself. I don't I don't know if it's Poppy yet. Right, right. Which is neat. So there's questions. Questions are good. It keeps you reading. Right. Can yeah. she actually wield magic? Is that what's going on, or did she end up act calling Poppy? Is Poppy some kind of of demon or something that she summoned without realizing it there's all kinds of ways that this can go right it's no coincidence that um poppy was there in the coffee shop for her to bump into mm-hmm. yeah there's uh, i i'm i'm certain of that and then bump uglies later on in the book yeah <laughs> but i mean i like you said i have never encountered a woman who would just take off her top in a coffee shop and just you know um cuz there's nothing to the imagination with that bra either Mm. You know, mm. it's. I would have liked to be been a patron <laughs> in this place while this was going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it's in the Minara vein, but a more um, more brushy, 
Yeah, the, the line work is a little looser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but sure. it still uh, it works for me. But the but the body type, the faces, the yes, the, yeah. the, the that's where I'm saying is Menara ass. Yeah, definitely. Especially yeah. The, the shower scene is is like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, the attitude, the movements. But yeah, I mean, there's 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 even some um, reminds me of Riso in, in in some degree Fernandez, um, but yeah, no, it's it's a um, it really didn't. It didn't feel. I had to keep going back to see that that Ezra wrote this. It didn't. It, it doesn't read or feel like anything that I never read from him before. So, well, that's what piqued my interest is when it was solicited as a as an erotic thriller. When I think of Azarello, I don't think of erotica. So, I was curious by that in and of itself. Yeah, well, I, I'm sticking with it because the art alone makes me. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely on board. I, I mean, I, I think the book was beautiful and sexy, and so. Yeah. Um, and Azarello is an excellent writer more more times than he's not. So, so I, I like that. I'm left with lots of questions. True, but after closing the cover, I asked myself, was that a great issue? And I don't think it was a great issue. I don't think. Because of the nature of the medium, they have to release these things in installments. I think mm-hmm. this is going to work better as a complete story than as a bunch of chapters, right? I sure. don't know. I, I, only because it, when I when I got to the end of this, I, it it this and maybe we'll know more after the second or third issue. I, after after you get to this last page, I think, and it may all depend on what happens on the first page of the second issue. But I think I need a little bit of a breather. I don't want to turn the page and read the next chapter. I'm saying this without knowing how the story is going, but I, I think I'm okay with reading this in a serialized format only because I don't, I I'm okay right now with this first issue with a breather before the second. I didn't, I didn't finish this saying I need the next issue right now. Because you were grossed out by the last page? No, 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 no. Only because um, there's, there's, a, I don't, I'm not trying to make it sound like this is, this is denser, more complex than it is. There was just, there was, there was enough here for me to mull over. It, it's not, it's not Ellis's planetary, but there's, there's enough uh-huh. here for me to think about. I, I, I have things to, to ponder before being told where we're going and, and and i'm okay with that for this particular story i'm okay with that there are plenty of times where i'm like i need to know where this is going but here i think i'm not saying that this is going to be heavy with with rereadability but um there are things i want to i want to look at examine might be a strong word but but i i just the 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 last the last page was weird um and and yes, it is. It's it is gross to 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 a degree, and that could be enough for 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 some people to go. All right, well, I'm I'm out. But I just want to I want to go over the issue again before I read the second issue, and and knowing that I have to wait for the second issue allows me to do that without. And you could do that with the with, with the collection too. You could you know reread the first. 20 pages before keep going but um 
in in this particular case, I'm I'm okay with the breather. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a finite series, right? I assume so. I think it is. Yeah. See, I'm torn. Um, it's it's a complete story, and the only reason why we're getting a chapter at a time is because the nature of the the direct market, right? Right. It, right. That's the that's one of the only reasons. So, right. you know, do you release a painting as uh, one quadrant of four? No, a painting is a painting. It's a complete work of art. This is a complete story just spread over four, six, or however many issues it is. I, I think it's difficult to write for a single issue and it's as it is to write for the complete project. Like, what if what if the next chapter he only has enough material for 12 pages. Well, you'd never see that, right? Because it has to be a complete issue. So that may be a fitting next chapter, but it doesn't make sense in terms of the way these things are produced, right? So he has to either add things or or start chapter three early or, you know what I mean? So I, I think it, I'm, I always prefer reading them in, in, in trade because then you're reading the the work. You're reading the complete work. And you can stop whenever you want and put a bookmark in it and mm-hmm. move on, right? But th- this the single issue thing, I think it's a, it's a it's an asset in that the money keeps rolling in, um, assumedly in between chapters, and which makes the next chapter possible. But creatively, I don't think it's all that great. Well, I mean, the only thing I'll say, and I I don't haven't seen Azarello interviewed about this book yet. At least I, I if he has, I haven't read it myself. He's he's old school. He likes sequential comics, so I don't know that this wasn't written as a sequential comic in his mind. I don't I don't know that this was intended to be. It seems like your implication is that he wrote a story and then they said, okay, we'll put it out into comics. Because if I'm being fair, it it certainly ends on a on a on a climax. Oh sure, literally. yeah. No, I'm right? not saying I mean, he wrote it. It is a good for, breaking point for a comic. No, I'm just saying as as an entity. It exists as a six sure. or four issue series or whatever. Sure. The the complete work is this, and the chapters are this. That that's all I'm saying. It's obvious yeah. he he wrote for the single issue because of that mm-hmm. slam bam ending, right? So right, you know, it is what it is. But speaking of limited series featuring hot women, oh boy, Vince, <laughs> yes, what are your emotes after fifty years that we finally are getting? a Sue Storm solo series. I don't know. I, I don't know what to think. Um, I don't know. Um, well, let's start with the obvious. It's Mark Wade writing it, which is a good sign. A very good sign, yes. I do not know Mattia de Eulis, who is the artist, so I can't speak to what it's going to look like, but I think Wade doing a Susie miniseries is going to more than likely be quite good. Oh sure. If I mean, he's one of the the writers that know the character intimately. He wrote her for mm-hmm. how many issues? I don't even know. A bunch, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's. I think the artist is the unknown quantity for me, and that's going to either make or break it. It if it's right. if it's done cheesecakey, I don't want to read it. You know, if it's done Wait, really, no. No, uh, if You're it's so funny, you, you live for the most purulent of uh, purient do. of uh, of 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 art, but, but but don't mess with your Susie. There's there's a there's a fine line between cheesecake and exploitation, right? I think Waringo drew Susie perfectly, 
And there was mm-hmm. everything sexy about wearing girls, um, Susie, but it wasn't exploitative. It didn't, like, she wasn't bending over picking up quarters off a linoleum floor, right? Uh, they, 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 I don't they, see that Mark would be a part of something like that. No, but what I'm saying, it, well, once the, the, the script leaves his hands, it, it, he's out of the picture, right? The, the artist could choose to do whatever they want. Uh, and I, I don't know. I just have to wait till the first issue comes out. It could be a revelation. Who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, I don't want a dynamite artist working on this, right? I, you don't want anybody from Avatar touching it. It's just, if you're going to do right by the character, write her or, or visually depict her as she is, a, a, a middle-aged, gorgeous woman who happens to be one of the best minds in the, in, in the, DC, in the Marvel Universe. You know what? I'm an idiot. I do know what this looks like, and I can assure you that it is not going to be cheesecakey. Oh, yeah. Why? Because she's the artist who did the Jessica Jones Purple Daughter series on Marvel Digital. Which oh, it's a woman by, drawing? Oh, yeah, oh. by Kelly Thompson. Great. Yeah, and it's a very—that's actually a very, a very scratchy, um, pencil-heavy, uh, a lot of spotted black type of shadowy work. Great. So, and any indication go. on uh, if there's a villain involved or if it's just a? All we know is that. It's those two teams doing a book, and it's a limited series, and great. That's all we know. Sweet. Yeah, listen, I made a joke on on the Facebook that uh, they're going to give this heifer a book while they cancel my girl's book. That's messed up. But no, in all seriousness, I, I think it's great that Susie's finally getting a book. <laughs> uh, you know, I take more offense at you calling Sue Storm a heifer than if you said anything about my wife. You are at the end of it. <laughs> It's, I'm so weird. What are you going to do? Yeah. So you didn't see Shazam? No. No, yeah. I had not. Yeah. It looks like it's... Uh, yeah, it was a hit. I mean, at least the first week was a hit. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's overcoming expectations. Seems right? like it's gotten... I mean, I haven't heard a single person say they didn't like it either. A couple of people yeah. saw it at work. They, they enjoyed it. They... they, they uh, as soon as uh, I, I asked this one person, how'd you like it? Well, all I know of Shazam is is the Flashpoint stuff. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, it's not their fault, right? No, and, uh, but they, they thought it was fun. He didn't say it was great. He said it wasn't great, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. Just a quick hit. One of the OGs I read that was a whiff for me was by Top Shelf, um, Belzebubs. Mm. Not my thing. I, I, I ordered it on spec a bit and it's just not my thing it's a uh, it's a family of a cult of sa- satan worshiping metal metal uh demon worshiping it's like a it's like what if there what if a, a, a satanic metal band was actually a suburban family and uh it's uh jp onan combines reliable slice of life humor with over-the-top occult antics and lovecraftian horror making bells above a devil of a good time not my not my cuppa. I will be throwing this eagerly into a care package. For hey, 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 wait a minute. What, what? I think you know someone who would like to read that before you pass well, then it become on. a patron, and I will make sure it goes <laughs> in your care package. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Dick. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's, for those who dig this kind of thing or into metal, probably will adore this, but not my, not my shtick. When you start making jokes about Alice Cooper t-shirts, you lose me. Damn. And you win me. 
See? Well, there you go. See? You need to order Belzebub's then. I have about six Alice Cooper t-shirts. Cool. Yeah. Alice you is really... About them? Pardon me? No, never. I know Caleb Caleb was very excited about this book, although I haven't heard what he thought of it. No. So. We have an outlier, something we all read. We just talked about one of those. Yes, we have another one. You sure? We do. Invisible, Invisible Kingdom, number one. Now, before we get into it, I have to tell you, I did read it. Mm-hmm. I, I, as we're as we're sitting here preparing to talk about it, I I can't think of a single thing about the book. That's not good. I know. I'm trying to think about. I'm like, it's oh, written by G. Willow Wilson. Yes. Okay. R- written as Dap said by G. Willow Wilson, who wrote Air for Vertigo. I'm, I know who she is. Yes. yes. This yep. <laughs> brought as Ms. Marvel Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, the art by Christian Ward ends is in some places reminds me of Fraser Irving. Um, maybe a little bit more colorful, but it is about um, religion and a crash-landed cargo ship. Oh, right, in the whole crazy Fakakta nun hat. Yes, right. Yeah, okay. crazy. Coming habit. back to me now. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, what did y'all think? Because clearly, I'm having trouble remembering it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's about a little more than that. Right? It is, yes. I, yeah. I definitely, I deliberately was, was. I was just trying to get Jason to to remember. But it's yes. just a t- an appropriate cue. And and this is where I I tread into areas that my daughter Mia would probably shake her finger at me because um, one of the characters is visually drawn like a woman, but she's not. She's from a planet. Uh, she's a Rulian. And there are more than two genders on this planet. You get your male, yes. you got your female. There's a third left, down, left, and, right. and a fourth. And so she, to my eyes, she looks like a woman. But her gender is something else than female, right? So I, I'll, I'll, I'll call her a her because that's what my eyes see. I don't want to keep saying they. This is weird, right? But it's, it's about two women. One of them's a pilot of a, a delivery ship. The the corporation's called Lux. And if you think Amazon times infinity, uh, the, they just don't ship packages across a planet. They ship them between pet planets. So it's like space Amazon, right? So this, this Captain Grix is delivering a shipment to somewhere and the ship overheats and she takes it down barely on this very small moon. But... um when she goes to check her precious Lux cargo, there's a, a, a discrepancy in in the manifest. She's looking through the things and she says, well, "Wait a minute, what's this? There's there's a line here that's not a a a, a piece of physical. Uh, it's not an object. It's a it's just a, a a transfer of funds. I don't get it. It's a huge amount of money. Like what's going on? And then you have this second uh, person, this Rulian named Vess." She she's trying to shed all of her her worldly affairs and accoutrements and join this invisible kingdom, and and to get to this uh, temple, you have to do so blindfolded. Like if you can find it, they'll grant you access. And she's walking through the city blindfolded, and she's stumbling over things, and she's being laughed at, and 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 she eventually finds the place. 
and she's taken in by the mother superior and she's she's shown around and the mother superior says you know what all right i know the very fact that you found your the way here means that you you're, you're special i have something for you to do I, I'm, I'm entrusting you with this um i want you to be in charge of bookkeeping um and i hope you will use discretion she that word is bo blow, bolded in the in the the copy i hope you would use discretion and so she starts doing her little thing and she finds um she's startled because she finds a very large sum of money f directed towards an entity that preaches to discard all worldly possessions and and, and you know walk the path towards enlightenment so it's the whole issue is centering around this giant sum of money being uh transferred from this lux delivery manifest uh funneled into this this church this invisible kingdom and that's where the issue starts you know it's 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 a back and forth going on between uh grix and her ship and uh vest trying to get to the temple but uh i will buy anything that that christian ward draws anything i don't care what it's about um i i muddled through odyssey I didn't. I can't but I tell. I said it that way because I was like, I don't remember raving about Odyssey, but okay. no, it, it, this story, whatever. I mean, yeah, it was it was a a, a newfangled twist on the Odyssey, and I, I think that uh, um, they missed the mark on that. But the visuals were spectacular on that that massive foldout. I mean, oh my god! But it was all gobbledygook. Like the story didn't didn't resonate with me at all. But the, the visuals obviously did. Um, and so, like I said, Christian Ward touches it, I'm going to buy it. And I thought this issue was – was um, it's a more restrained Christian Ward than we saw in Odyssey, which is not a bad thing, right? Um, but the when he has to pull out the big guns, like there's a, a splash with the ship barely smacking down on the, the moon, which is awesome, and there's a, a shot of – Vess walking towards the temple, which is amazing, but most of it's just talking heads, and and it works, for now. But I'm sure it's going to open up into into something else. I thought the issue was great. I I ordered it in um in singles just because I love Christian Ward. Did I mm -hmm. say that enough times? Uh, you said it yeah a couple times, it's, two three times. Yeah, it could be it could be all we use for the show notes this week. The Christian uh, Ward, I. I ordered it, um, and I was extremely. Te I remember seeing it at the shop, and 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 I was tempted to double dip, but I I figured it's it's coming from DCBS. I I'm still, um, it's it's one of Burger Books from Dark Horse, and yeah, I the hook for me was pretty much. Wilson, um, I have not read a lot that uh, what is illustrated, but I do like this a lot. I, um, I'm yeah, I'm 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 intrigued. I definitely uh, now I, when I finish this, yeah, this was a story where I, I would want to read the next issue right away because I want to know what the hell she sees and and the uh, when 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 she's at the terminal, I um, as as she's. Uh, She's translating everything. It, it's it's yeah. You know, you're not sure 
who can be trusted and and who exactly is uh, maybe on the up and up. There's it, and it's 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 it feels like it's just it's a it's a day in the life of of two very seemingly very different people on on two very different paths and um there has to be a reason why we're being shown their stories almost side by side beat for beat um and yeah according to uh to a little bit of the tease for the um for the second issue um there may be a connection revealed but uh well, yeah, it's all about I, the money. I, yeah. It is. That's yeah. right. It's all about the money. So cuz it it's um yeah, I mean I'm not you know there's there seems to be certain certain stories just based on however many stories are out there and the people telling these stories, you know, we we little birds got the religious overtones of this. The, yeah, there, there, there are times where you may just keep reading something or reading different books, and they all kind of maybe hit you with the same base idea. Um, this isn't Little Bird at all, um, but religion can play a part in in many different stories. So there's there's. Since we read that recently, it, it's still kind of sticking with me. But um, I, yeah, I, 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 I like this a lot. I, I, I'm, I'm sticking with it for now. I, uh, I don't see a reason why not to. So I, um, I'm quite pleased. This was one. This was kind of like a blind buy. I had no idea what to expect. So I am, I'm glad I went for it. And it's conceptually rich too, because the the initiates into this invisible kingdom are called nuns and not N-U-N, but N-O-N-E. Right. So, so yeah. they're, again, they're preaching that the, the zero aspect, the nothing, the, 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 the discard everything of material and, and, and join our kingdom and, and follow the blessed path. And here they're receiving a huge amount of money, which is anything but what, in line with their scriptures, right? So from there, you've got me. When when you have the balls to um, depict a religious entity as a money-grubbing corporation unlike any other on the planet, then in, in this day and age, then you've won me over from the get-go. But there's it's the small things, like the, the nun's um, headgear looks exactly like the temple, the, the mushroom cap that they wear looks the, the, the temple has a mushroom cap and it's floating in air. And it's just, it, it seems like the, the, the team has just, and there's back matter in this thing. There's, there's designs and there's text and it's, it's not just to hear, here's the first issue. They're, 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 they're greeting you with text and showing you that, yeah, we did our homework and we roughed this stuff out and it's not been an easy task. And it's just, it seems, seems like it's, it's, it's a special piece of work to me again. Christian Ward, but it, it it seems like the creative team are trying to say something other than mere superheroics or, you know, Superman on another planet or something, you know, which is fun, but I also need this kind of stuff that has a little bit more meat to it, that speaks to my sensibilities 
being the uh, pessimistic bastard that I am. Sure. Yeah. You coming back for issue two, Jason? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Jesus. Went down the room. <laughs> Just drank some water. Went down the room. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was on mute. <coughs> um, hold on. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I am. Now that uh, I remember the book now. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say that uh, while I don't think the book is <coughs> conceptually much like Little Bird, I do agree with David, with David that I was preoccupied in comparing it to Little Bird. I do think of that as a book that, uh, that, that a recent new book that just knocked me on my ass and I couldn't wait to talk about. It and I thought this could be a really special comic. Um, I'm not sure I, I thought that of this. Um, <clears throat> I guess also because while I like Christian Ward's art, this visually to me looked so much like uh, Descender that uh, I was having mm. trouble getting that. Um, I mean, I love Descender. It just it just seemed to me it just seemed like exactly like another issue of Descender visually, um, which is no fault of its own. Clearly, I, it, it's unfair of me to hold it against it, especially because I love Descender. But um, it just I think it, in its own way, it just didn't feel it. It hurt. It hurt it to me because it just felt less distinctive, even though that's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, no, I'm back for the second issue. Like you, I, I anytime you're going to tell me a story about a corrupt church organization, I'm on board. So right. Uh, yeah. it, uh, and I do think that they, it's definitely intricate. This book is not suffering any fools. Um, there's a lot of of that dreaded quote unquote world building that we get mocked for talking about so often, but but I think is real. And uh, you know, even like when they put the the habit, the hood on the on the the new initiate, and explain that it's it's that big because it's meant to 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 keep her from being able to see, uh, you know, it's, it's supposed to stun her vision, to make it hard for her to see around her, so um, to keep her focused on the present and what's there. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that that, that clearly shows there's been a ton of work put in this, and like Dap, I I I don't think I've ever read something by G Willow Wilson that I didn't enjoy. So uh, yeah, I'm back. I'm back for number two. Good. Good to hear. Mm-hmm. My man. Your man. <laughs> Do we have anything else? I got some dope as fuck in your travels. Okay. But I will say, too, though, uh, before we do the in your travels, um, there are our good friend, Mr. Daniel White, a.k.a. one of our travel companions, a.k.a. Uh, the creator of our current and one of our former EOC logos is having an art show. Right. So for, for those of you that are in the New York metropolitan area, uh, but perhaps have not heard directly from Daniel about this, he's having a little art show uh, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, at a place called The Parlor, P-A-R-L-O-U-R. It will be on April 25th which is two Fridays from now and uh, or two Thursdays from now. Today's Thursday, right? So two Thursdays from now. So if you're in the area, by all means, go and check out his badass art, including, by the way, a framed original of our logo. Yes. I will be in Brooklyn on Sunday. Thanks for letting us know. It ain't about you. I'm going to take Mia to uh, Pratt. So, well, my bad. We couldn't meet you for lunch or something. No, I don't know right. how long it's going to take. That's not, you know, it's not, it's I not ain't setting any times. So, you know. Cool. Have a great trip. 
It's about my girl. It's, like, it's not about you. Well, you not have a chance. It's you know. He said that awfully quick too. Well, I yeah, got it. He was ready for it. I'm not gonna. Like, These guys are gonna fucking. We wouldn't shit, have known so. he went. He was going to Brooklyn until unless I mentioned. Seriously, it. Yeah. like yeah, so yeah, you could have told us next Thursday. How could well, I? How could I set a time? You last, were you in Kinlaw on this past Saturday? No, I wasn't. Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't there either. You were invited. I know. Uh, great old time, by the way. I heard. Shout outs to Mr. Joel Swain and up the irons to Hakan Demoglu. Which yes. of course I'm going to completely butcher, so I apologize in advance. But um, both have been listeners for a in long it. time, and um, and and well, they are now kind enough to um, to patronize us. So yeah. um, sweet, massive, huge thanks. Uh, before we get, how about, how about Eric Kennedy being a patron now as well? That's so stupid, isn't it? It's God awesome. bless him. God bless him. Thank you, Eric. The um, before we do get to in your travels, I did catch up on um, on Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp's The Green Lantern. I'll speak on that because I've been buying the issues, haven't stopped buying the issues, but I've only read the first two, and now they got the hardcover solicited in the previews. So I need to hear from you if you think it's worth. Um, well, since the hardcover is the first six issues, um, I felt some kind of way when I got to the end of the sixth issue. The, the, the story is, is pretty cool. I mean, yes, it's, it's a whole other, um, uh, looks can be deceiving type tale and, and, um, Grant isn't exactly breaking new ground with with having Hal um, behave and and behave this way and, and react to things the way he is. He has to um, because as as we last kind of spoke about it, uh, Hal straight up murdered someone who was in custody uh, and then told his fellow lanterns that. Um, Basically covering it up. Well, you saw him. He had a weapon. I didn't mean to shoot him in the back, but, you know, he was running away. And it's just um, they didn't really pick that up with the next issue. Grant's been doing this. This whole first arc um, isn't exactly the most linear of stories. And um, big ups to Liam, because if you were to just read what the characters are saying without if you had to explain this to someone like I'm doing poorly you 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 would need the pictures to actually know that there was a seat that there's there's things happening in, in the fifth and sixth issues with with Adam Strange and Hal is talking to a character that we were introduced to in in this arc at the same time something's going on with, with Adam Strange because it's all Hal doing the talking. If if it's just it was laid out kind of weird, a little too weird for me for for, for a Grant comic. But the whole idea is that um, Hal Jordan needs to infiltrate the Black Stars, and um, he he does that, 
and he needs to basically uh, release himself from being a Green Lantern. Um, and he becomes Black Star Parallax. And he, even though he wants to, he, he's, he's supposed to put up appearances and, and you know, no longer be a member of the core, uh, Controller Moo, the person who he's supposed to be taking down, the person pulling all the strings for the Black Stars, um, he knows that Hal is basically a double agent. Uh, and the Guardians command Hal to destroy Moo at all costs, even if that means destroying himself. Um, and he, he may complete that, that assignment, but then the, the sixth issue ends, um, on a bit of a cliffhanger, which, which is fine. It's, it's a monthly book. So, you know, you pick up the seventh issue and, and, and see where we're going there. It's just, it, it, it was a, it was weird the way this issue ended knowing that it's just the first issue of it, it's it's the first it's what's collected in in the hardcover so you're going to get to the hardcover and it's nothing unusual we've we've been you know whether it's you're reading avengers or um batman trades it's i don't know anybody who'd be reading a collection of, of tom's batman and get to the end of of of, of the trade and and be upset because they, they know it continues into to the next volume so um that's nothing new it was just it, it, just the timing just because of the because vince mentioning it during uh during the sponsor spot it's just it for some reason it it struck me harder or just it 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 was weird the way the issue and yes you should still definitely i it took me a while for this to find its footing for me it looks absolutely amazing uh it's not i don't think it's grant's finest hour but it's still uh it's still a better hal jordan than i've had in the last bunch of years, so I'm um, I'm not mad at it. I just I'm digging it. it almost it's it, it, it's like not like I'm pushing myself. It's just weird. I I, I want to like it more than I do, but I I, I kind of don't. But I definitely I think you should at least finish this arc, Jason, because because there are some pretty cool ideas. There's not a lot of concepts are are newer or groundbreaking, but uh, Sharp's art helps a lot. If, if Liam wasn't drawing this, I probably wouldn't be um, sticking with her. I definitely mm-hmm. wouldn't have as much as I have, but um, I mean, it, it's definitely Grant doing Grant things. Um, he could have done this for Green Lantern. He could have done this for a completely different character. Um but I, uh, I am I am glad I I I caught up so that I could at least figure out if I want to keep at it. And and there there are little things that that I see here and there that take me back to 
um, a long time ago. So I, 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 I'm also holding out hope that there, there are going to be things popping up here and there that remind me and take me back to, to, to those old Green Lantern days. And um, so Grant's kind of got that in the bank with me as well. But yeah, it's it is it's it's not a bad book at all by any stretch. It's just it's I'd say it's weird, but it's a Grant Morrison book, so that's kind of a given. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I um I would recommend the Green Lantern if anybody has been if if you if you're on the fence, um I would definitely recommend the hardcover at the DCBS price. All right, word up. That was one of the first things that went on my order when I yeah, bet it was. Yeah. Did you know that Liam Sharp's Brave and the Bold with Batman and Wonder Woman is also solicited this month? And that is also a hardcover. Is that a realist? Because I thought that yeah, was already... Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to read that. I haven't yet, though. I mean, I'm going to say it's gorgeous, but that's kind of What do you think like... about Superman Year One, Vince? I ordered it in single issues. Well, obviously, but... Yeah, but I got to say, the... The cover of the DC previews, Oof. that is some wonky-looking anatomy on there. That leg looks like it's gone through, like like, he, like Superman was on a desert island and wasn't allowed to eat for three months. But there may be uh, a narrative. Stop with I'm just Frank saying. Do that. Will you stop? It's, number one, it's not Frank. It's JR. Or, I mean, JR, rather, yeah. No, I'm just saying. There may be a narrative reason why. It's it's done that way. Maybe I don't know. I, no, I, I think have, he meant to draw him young because he's younger in that picture. But I, I yeah, the, that's still not what the, a leg looks like. The the uh, he takes a lot of um, there's a lot of leeway with that anatomy. Yeah. yeah, 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 a little bit. It's okay though. It's always okay. It's all right. I don't care. Got those more trucker hands. Don't matter to me. <laughs> So we have a, a book of the month poll up. Is it closed yet, or is it still running? Oh, it is closed. It, it is, is closed. closed. So thank the gods that uh, what won won. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank the gods. Second place book? No, it was closed. No. Oh my god, I'm I'm in the middle of rereading that second place book on my own volition. I I uh, I downloaded the second place book through the uh, through Hoopla on on my library just in case. Um, it won because I don't remember if I finished it when it first was released, but um, yeah. I do want to. I, I I I would like to read it, but uh, should we let everybody know what? Um, yeah, yeah. They need to read for April. Sure. Um, in second place, as Vince mentioned, uh, is the Umbrella Academy Volume One Apocalypse Suite. That is not. I mean, you can read along with Jason, but that is not what won for April. Um, other choices included Superman Panic in the Sky, Suicide Squad Volume 1 Trial by Fire, The Question Volume 2, The New Teen Titans, The Judas Contract, Lazarus Volume 1, Kingdom Come, Green Arrow, The Archer's Quest, The Golden Age, The Death of Captain Marvel, and The Winner, with 26% of the votes in the last maybe 45 minutes, because I was watching it yesterday. Um, and it was, they were, they were both at 24% for the longest time, but, uh, your winner and what you will need to read for April. And we're probably going to read this, uh, during Daniel's showing. 
on the 25th, unless we meet that weekend. Uh, Batman, Year 100, by Paul Pope. Awesome. And Jose Villarubo. I have never read it. Really? Really. So are we going with the, because the deluxe edition is called Batman Year 100 and Other Tales. Well, just like Catwoman Selina's Big Score, which was also part of Batman Ego and Other Tales, we're, so we're just probably going with Year 100. Good. If if my library ends up getting, because it's not available digitally, if my library ends up getting the deluxe, depending on how much extra that is, maybe I'll read that but no the 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 goal is the year 100 proper those i guess four issues well it is available digitally looking forward to rereading it no i know i i also can get it from comicsology i know that i was trying to i i well, reserved it, it at me okay fine <laughs> well i'll do that because i don't know how long it's going to take for my library to get it right to me, so that's fine so me for a book of the month you gotta do what you gotta do absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so yes uh, that's but yes, awesome. it is. It's, yeah, so I'm 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 looking forward to it. I think is it our? Well, no, we did read Catwoman, but is is it our first Batman book? It may be. I mean, obviously, he was part of Cosmic Odyssey. Yeah, but I mean, solo but, Batman book. Yeah, I yeah, think it is. Sweet, because we've been we've been toying with the idea of throwing up a Batman title here and there over the months, but um, it's Batman, so generally that would kind of stack it. And and everybody else would just be, there'd be a hell of a lot of zero nominees that month, zero percent. So, yeah. um, I thought using using Paul's story was at least a little bit of um, because it it's not your traditional look. So I, I I was I'm I'm glad to see that it won. I am I want to say I'm a little surprised at at the number of votes it got because it is still Batman. And and it is Paul Pope, um, but you know, Umbrella Academy is on Netflix and getting a second season. And yeah, I, did you 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 didn't like Umbrella Academy, Vince? I hated it. Oh my god, what the fuck is the matter with yeah, you? I hated it. <laughs> I mean, I know Holy we never shit. really talked about it, but it also came well, out. I talked about it like a ton. Oh yeah, over the years, yes. But yeah. I'm saying when it was originally released. Um, well, I'm not talking about the comic. I think the 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 Netflix show has soured me on going back and rereading the comic, but I, the I I watched the first episode and I fucking hated it. Wow, you are literally the only person I know that's watched that Netflix show and didn't love it. I, seriously, yeah, that yeah. included in that our boy Cliff. I even people at work watched it and they knew nothing about the comic and loved it. Yeah. And I've, I'm I'm four episodes in and I think it's fantastic. Renee, I I told her that it was getting a second season and i mean her face lit up she she really i mean she i think it's incredibly true to the comic by the way and that's why i want to reread the comic because i want to know you know just where um where things kind of diverge and and um like after reading the first couple pages of of this first volume i completely forgot they flipped the narrative structure i mean they give you all the answers in the comic and the first few pages of the of the comic Whereas in this, yes. they they they, they right. treat it all as a mystery, but yeah, yeah. Wow, sorry. No, didn't, I mean, hey, did, did not preach like his own. I'm, I'm just, yeah. I, I mean, Netflix has not been scoring high. The the Love and Death and Robots I thought was great. Me but too. I watched. Have you watched the new uh, Ultraman? Not yet. I'm saving that for uh, a time where I could just watch a bunch of them. On your uh, commute to Brooklyn. Yeah. 
I, I, I didn't. I wasn't crazy about the first year of Sabrina because I think they, they, the the comic is far superior than the the Netflix show. I think the the that twist that they did in the comic with the father inhabiting Harvey's body was brilliant. They don't do that in the show. Season two of Sabrina is garbage. It's it's is it? I haven't started. It's yet. terrible. Yeah. There's a doppelganger Sabrina. Um, like when you do two of the the main character, you've obviously run out of ideas. And and it's it's I think it's Aguirre Sacasa that's doing it too. At least screenplay or, or he has a hand in it. And it, right. I, Nina's watching it, and it's just total garbage. One of her friends is a girl who is convinced she's a boy. And that's a huge part of the the narrative, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm coming to Sabrina for. You know what I mean? Um, I want I want the dark and the occult and the the devil and as far as the comic goes, like the Aguirre Sacasa Sabrina comic, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. And the the show is anything but. It's just trash. Mm-hmm. It's trash. I I also will say before we do your travels that uh, Disney had a much awaited presentation for. Uh, we invest our suit types to discuss Disney Plus, their long-awaited streaming app, and uh, it is being well received by we investor types as well as fans, <laughs> because um, it's only going to be six ninety nine a month. Mm. That's insane. Which I think is really smart of them. To be clear, to people wondering, Disney's about to eat a lot of losses on this for the first few years, much like Netflix did in its beginning. But they're making a bet that they need to price aggressively well below Netflix to get people to be willing to try this too. I think it's a smart move. I think if it's as good as it probably will be, especially once they get original content on there, they'll be able to very quickly raise the price. So um, once you're hooked, but uh, it's, it's an impressive offering. It's like I said, it's six ninety nine a month or 70 bucks for the year. Um, and it's going to have all kinds of content, both OG and and new. Um, they're going to have a couple Marvel shows. They're going to have a Wanda and Vision uh, show, which uh, is starring um, uh, the the movie actors and uh, from the play the roles. Really, uh, Olsen yeah. is going to be in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tom, Tom Hiddleston's going to do a Loki TV show. Um, Jeremy Renner is going to do a Hawkeye TV show where he trains Kate Bishop. Yep. Um, so uh, God damn, that sounds yeah, good. Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy is doing a Star Wars uh, live-action TV show based on uh, the Mandalorians, aka the Boba Fetts. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, it's it's going to be dope. Like it's going to have all kinds of National Geographic stuff. It's going to have all the Disney archives. It's going to have all the Marvel archives, all the Star Wars, like the Clone Wars, plus new Star Wars cartoons. It's going to be. I mean, for for what it is, I think they're they're definitely starting it off right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an impressive launch offering. And it's coming in November, in case people are wondering. You killed me with the Boba Fett's. He <laughs> <laughs> <You> killed me. <laughs> it doesn't sound sure. bad. Like uh, far be it from me to actually give Disney money for anything, but um, it sounds like I would want to do this. Yeah, no, I'm I'm on it for sure. And it's weird. The thing that piqued my interest the most, aside from the Olsen uh, Scarlet Witch thing, is the Hawkeye. That sounds great. It yeah. does. And and also too, while we're giving shoutouts for streaming, I got to give DC props because when they announced their streaming app, which Dap and I are both members of, um, they were a little circumspect on the comic side, treating the comics essentially as a afterthought. 
really? Like, oh, we're going to have some digital comics available for you, too. And it's going to be temporary. We're going to have certain comics available for certain themed months and that sort of thing. But either they either they were Trojan horsing us or they changed their mind. But basically, in the last few months, they have just continued to announce tons and tons of, of, of their archives. And um, and then just, just this week announced that they were going to have basically all of their Silver and Golden Age comics up there soon. So um, it's becoming very quickly like Marvel like Marvel Comics Unlimited, plus all the streaming content. So um, there, I know we were, a lot of people say that Marvel gets all the credit and DC gets all the blame. DC is kicking Marvel's ass in terms of value you're getting from your digital service right now. How much is it a month? I don't know. I did the early bird thing where you pay, yeah. I think I paid, like, I paid a ridiculously low price for 15 months. I don't know what it is. I think it was sixty bucks for the fifteen months or something like that. It, yeah, was, it was stupid. I don't know what it is for if you just sign it up now. Hmm. Not sure. Sure, faithful yeah. listeners though too. Oh, I'm sorry, Vince. There you go. It's seven ninety nine. DC a month is seven ninety nine a month. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's for it's for yeah it's for the old movies. It's for the TV shows. Um, I started doing Patrol. I finished Titans. Um, and yeah, now they have a bunch of comics they've released. So yeah, that's two comics. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's not bad. It's really not. I would be interested in watching some of the old animated stuff again. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we we watched um, uh, we watched Young Justice the first two seasons over again before watching the new new third season that was released on the app. It's great. And I don't have to watch this on my phone, right? I can watch it on my TV? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. They, they have an app for Roku. Uh, you can sideload it on your Fire Stick if you have one. I do. Um, good. Okay. Yeah, because they don't have the app for it from Amazon for the Fire Stick, but um, you can get it on there with, with, without an issue. And, and, yeah, and, yeah, they do have it for your mobile device as well. But, yeah, you can... Um, you can definitely watch any TV. Yeah, because I'm old and I'm not into watching shit on my phone. Yep, and it is supposedly coming soon for like PlayStation 4 and the other spots. So. Oh, damn. Nice. Mm-hmm. I say PlayStation, I say okay. Okay. That's right. All right. Home stretch. Home stretching. All right, Home everybody. Stretch. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again. Remember, Discount Comic Book Service, the only place to go if you want your comics for far less than everybody else is paying. As Dap said, from DC, it's the Green Lantern Hardcover Volume 1. Intergalactic Lawman will cost you $12.49. Immortal Hulk Hardcover Volume 1, issues 1 to 10. From Marvel, $17.49. And from Titan, you got Terry Beatty and Max Allen Collins doing the Miz Tree, baby. $12.49 for at least 10 issues. It's a no-brainer. DCBService.com. Just go there. I'm going to lose you guys on this, but mm. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to potential readers, which is weird because potential readers are going to be totally lost. I read about 15 issues of Gold Digger over the weekend. Oof. Yes. I'm out. Fred Perry's Gold Digger from Antarctic. Pound for pound, one of the best reads every month for me. But 
I'm a longtime reader. I've been in with Fred since the black and white days. So for me, it's, it's, an, it's not hard. It's not difficult to know um, who all the characters are. And there are a ton of characters in this book. And he switches the, the locale almost every issue. So it's like one day we're at Gina Digger's home and it's being repaired. And uh-oh, here comes a gigantic dinosaur, kaiju. And then the next issue, there's another character in space and something's happening. And it's basically Gina Diggers is a cosmic archaeologist um, slash professor. And it's the story of her and her family, um, one of which is a, a were cheetah. And it's all if you if you are a manga fan or an anime fan or a comic book fan or a pop culture fan, he there are things in Gold Digger that will appeal to you. He loves Star Wars. He loves the Transformers. So there are characters. Uh, one issue will be a Star Wars pastiche um, featuring the the the, the long running characters. There are Transformers that are walk in and out of this thing. Uh, one issue was uh, Masters of the Universe pastiche. Like he loves pop culture, and he tweaks it to apply to the the long running characters in the book. But visually, I don't think there there are few people out there that are as good as Fred Perry. That just he does cosmic vistas like nobody's business, and it's just a great book. So if you're adventurous and you want to do some backtracking, and you will. You'll open an issue and you'll start reading and you're like, I have no idea who these characters are, what they're doing, where, where the story is taking place. You're going to have to do your homework with this book. May or may not appeal to you. I don't know. But if you like everything I just said, try Gold Digger from Antarctic. It is, it is one of my favorite things in the entire world. And nobody, it really is. And nobody reads it. <laughs> it kills me. But – it the the it, it works against itself. You you have he tried this issue two hundred. I'm gonna give you all of the previous issues for free digitally, and it still didn't catch on. You know what I mean? I, I'm we always lament the fact that Eric Larson doesn't break ten thousand issues with Savage Dragon, and it should, right? It really should. I think Gold Digger sells less than that, and it's it's equally compelling to me. Like I love the characters in Savage Dragon, the whole family, and I would be voting for the Gold Digger family every year if it wouldn't fall on deaf ears because nobody cares. And it just it I, I it incenses me that such a good book is being produced month in and month out and nobody reads it. It kills me. But I love it. It's like he's producing it just for me, which is not even true. But I mean I'm, there's a there's a uh, uh, there's a community built around Gold Digger, but it's 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 it, in terms of sales, it's not all that big. So just give it a try. If if you see it on the rack at your comic shop, or you know you have a couple extra bucks, this previews, order it, see if you like it. It's it's amazing comics. That's it. That's all I got. I hear you. Um. So in your travels, um, this is something I read today, actually. It's um, something else I decided to just take a stab at. It is from Aftershock. Um, 
it is written by Ted Anderson. It is illustrated by Nuno Plati. And it is called Orphan Age. And it's the first issue of a new series, uh, which, you know, the art is a little on the cartoonish side. And it, it's, which is fitting. Well, no, it, it's, it, the, the book's a little bit more serious than I think the art um, leads you to think it might be. But it's set in a future in about 20 years where the adults died. And we're not really sure why it, it's it it parts of it feels a little bit like Walking Dead, and then um, parts of it may feel a little bit like animosity just because of the way the world is. But we're introduced to um, to two brothers right at the start. Um, one's named Joey, one's named Daniel, and. All, there are cars that were crashed into each other. There are people down in the street, and they just want to get home because they have no idea what the hell's going on. And um, Joey tells Daniel that you know we'll we'll get home. Mom will tell us you know everything's going to be fine. She'll know what to do. They walk in. Mom's on the floor. So now we cut to twenty years later, and we see um, we find out it's Daniel slumped over on horseback and he makes his way to a father and daughter and the father is um teaching the little girl how to um ride a horse the father's basically the mayor of their little town and as the issue goes on we find out that it like the Walking Dead, where you have Alexandria and the hilltop. You have all these little factions and all all these little places that try to you know keep to themselves, and everybody's just trying to survive. And because since it's twenty years later, these the people who are inhabiting these little towns and villages were the kids twenty years ago. Um, no idea why the grownups are all gone. Daniel's been shot. Uh, he's brought back to town, um, nursed back to health. When Daniel comes to, we find out that he was shot because he was trying to get away because his um, he, he was coming from McAllister. They've been overrun by the new church. And the new church shows up here. And uh, I guess the pastor, the preacher, the deacon, whatever he is, uh, he's shown up and he's letting everybody know, you know, you can join with us. And, and we, um, you know, this is we bring you salvation. It's, it's, it's God's plan. 20 years ago, the Lord brought a miracle. The second flood to cleanse. He cleansed the world of murderers and thieves and, and he gave us a world without adults. So now, you know, now we're the stewards. And, and so if you want to join us, that's great. Um, if you don't, then basically they will be hell to pay. So, uh, hell is being paid. People are getting shot and killed. Little girl. Um, her name is princess. The one who's being taught to, to ride the horse. Um, she and Daniel 
and the doctor who nursed Daniel back to health escape the town. And that's, um, that's where they're heading to Albany. And that's where the, um, where the issue ends. So chances are, um, the, the new church doesn't exactly seem like the type of people who, um, are going to stop at, you know, thinking they've had enough. Uh, it looks as though they're, they're, they're trying to make their way across, uh, the country either take on or take over whatever they can is it the art is a little bit to some in some places maybe a little little light and airy for 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 the subject matter it, it, it's not the most serious book but um it takes place in a world where uh, 20 years ago all the adults done died so i'm not i I thought the um, I kind of dug the concept. The, the, the title kind of grabbed me because of the play on words, but um, the little we've seen with the introduction of these characters, um, I'm interested in. So I'll I'll definitely see where where we're going and and how um, everybody plays well with each other as far because they, they, they've kind of just been thrown together. I mean, obviously the princess and doc know, know each other. They've been living in the same town. Um, but, but Daniel is doing princess's father, who is basically the mayor of the place, uh, the favor of getting her to Albany. So we'll, we'll have a little bit of, um, I guess we'll have some story where, where the story will continue with, with everybody getting to know each other and looking out for one another. Um, so nothing necessarily new in that regard, but I'm uh, curious to see how they, um, how Anderson and, and Plotty take take the concept. I it was weird. The, the art kind of reminded me a little bit of that that Dead of Winter book that came out last year or so. The 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 tie into the um, or the, based on on the video or the the game, but. Um, it's, there are some pages where, where the art looks really cartoony, and then there there are panels where um, it feels serious, and and there's actual you kind of feel the weight of the story. So I, I'd like to see some more consistency as the story continues. So I'm willing to give that a shot as well. But yeah, I think um, if as Vince said with Gold Digger, if 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 you don't have years to invest in something and you want to give something uh, new a shot, then um, give Orphan Age number one a shot. Sounds pretty damn good. It's half the shock, you know? I mean, that could be good or bad. It, doesn't... it can be, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to say it's 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 dynamite or anything, but it's, yeah, there, there's, <laughs> we it's, but, um, you know, I mean, after a walk through hell and animosity and shipwreck, I mean, I think, yes, it, it can be good or bad. There's no, it's not a given, but I think they, they I mean, yeah, Jimmy's Bastards, I think they have a really good hit rate as far as we're concerned. For sure. Um, in your travels before, I forget because we didn't mention it with the previews, DCBS rundown, um, special shout out this month to uh, another book by Top Shelf, A Letter to Joe. Written mm. by Joseph Siraki with art by our good friend and frequent con buddy Kelly Treebeard Williams. This this is by far and away Kelly's biggest 
commercial work to date. Uh, you know, it's a war, it's a World War II based uh, graphic novel by Top Shelf, and I really want it to be a hit for him because he deserves it. It's a 144 page soft color, full color graphic novel uh, featuring the gripping first hand account of a Polish American machine gunner in World War II, adapted from a genuine letter home from the author's own grandfather. So looks great, sounds great. Definitely go out and support that one. Um, and in your travels, you you gotta. You, I hope you all appreciate how many different ways that this medium can tell stories. Because um, yet again, uh, I've got a graphic novel here that just just comes at it from a different a different way, and and, and we're all the better for it. And that book is um, from first second. It is called PTSD. Uh, it is uh, written and drawn by, and I'm I'm hope I'm not butchering the name, but it's Guillaume Singlin, G U I L L A U M E S I N G E L I N, Guillaume Singlin. Um, Vince, I don't know if you've seen this book or seen the solicit, but it is a hardcover, and the front page, the PTSD are uh, punched out of the cover, so, so so you see the underlying image. So uh, I don't know. what Die, thank you very much. I couldn't think of the term die cut. So you got a die cut PTSD, and it's essentially the the, the front hardcore cover ab- absent the PTSD. Die cut is a jungle look, and the book the cover reads: "She came home, but her war isn't over." Um, and uh, they have a pull quote on the front from none other than Corey Doctorow saying, "Everything you could want in a tale of war and redemption." And I would agree. Um, now, Singlin's art, uh, it is. Um, one part Brandon Stoko, one part Brian Lee O'Malley. So very heavily manga influenced. The characters all have big eyes, cartoony bodies. Um, but uh, but it's it's a serious it's a book a serious book. It's it's as you can imagine from the title a, a book about the uh, dealing with the stresses of trauma. In this case, the story centers around a woman named June who went and fought in a war. Not unlike Vietnam, it's, it's not the Vietnamese War, at least not explicitly, but it's not unlike Vietnam in that it was a uh, a close quarters jungle warfare um, that uh, was not well received by the people at home. So she, like many veterans upon returning home, is not given much love, not given much support, or and is ostracized in many ways. And she has, again, unfortunately, like many veterans, found herself homeless, living in the in them streets. And uh, basically stealing to buy drugs, prescription drugs, to help numb the pain of the PTSD and the visions she gets, uh, nightmares of the war. Um, I know it sounds like a real downer, but it's not. Because the cool thing about this book is that even though it's dealing with some very heavy subjects, and she definitely has a lot of demons she's working through, it is a story of redemption and hope in that um, she gets love and support from... um, from all kinds of places. There's a dog that becomes her best friend. Um, there is a, a young single mom who is trying to make a small noodle shop succeed that, that becomes her friend and feeds her and has conversations with her and uh, helps her see another side of the world. Um, and eventually she comes out of the, the, the haze and realizes that, uh, that the drugs aren't the answer. And, um, all of this is again is done in this very cartoony way that that evokes um, escapism and 
it's it's it, I'm not even sure if they say where it's set. It's it's set in a in a in a cityscape. It's it's some type of Asian city. Um, uh, it, it it also it evokes a little bit like it might be a bit into the future. It's got a bit of a Blade Runner vibe to it. Although again, it's not a science fiction book, but uh, but it's a haunting it's a haunting setting, but with a lot of heart. Um, it's uh, it's it's just. It, if you know people that, that deal with PTSD or you know anybody that's a veteran, um, I think it's something that we're much more aware of than we ever were in prior generations. Um, I know as, a, as someone who whose stepfather was a Vietnam vet and a prisoner of war, um, you know, I, I definitely saw that firsthand that, that, that the country didn't understand what they dealt with, weren't very, weren't very supportive or um, understanding of, of their plights and uh, – I think there's a lot of truth in this story, but I love that it's told from the side of a of a of a woman, um, and uh, and again, it's it's it has a, an ending that uh, that that is hopeful versus tragic. So couldn't recommend this book more. It, it is definitely going to be on the short list for my favorite OGN of the year, and uh, and one that that commands all of your attention uh, for those of you that like original graphic novels that uh, aren't uh, capes books. So well, well near the top of that list for this year. First second is awesome. I got to say first second doesn't get yeah, enough love. They freaking yeah. put out some amazing books. Hey, you're right. That does sound good. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's funny. I like, I, I often when I praise these books, I think, I don't know if Fencer David really like it. I mean, I don't know that you really like that Brian Lee O'Malley look though. Right. Like, no, but I really... do. I do like the James Stokoe look. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's it's, I, 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 I think like, the subject matter would would override I, the look mm-hmm. of it for me. Okay. Yeah, I'd like you to just take a look at the art because I, I'm I'm curious if you would like the art or not. Because I I, I don't consider myself a huge Brian Lee O'Malley fan, by the way, as you know. No, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't discount it. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a place for it, but if it's if it's used effectively, then yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I got a story for Dap. Speaking of dogs, oh. Dap. This will make oh. Dap very happy. So um, I'm talking to a customer at the 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 workplace, right? And the uh, I open up the back hatch of his car. I'm loading something, and there's a dog in there, and it's a Maltese. And we had a Maltese. And uh, the guy tells me, "Yeah, you know, my son-in-law was was driving home from work." And it's rural Pennsylvania, right? Long stretches of of nothing, mm-hmm. right? So he's driving home, and he sees a box at the side of the road, oh, no. and he saw a little bit. He saw movement in the box. So the the, the, the son-in-law pulls over, and he goes and gets the box, and there's two Maltese puppies in the box. And he takes them home, and that's where these dogs came from. They they kept the dogs. They raised the dogs, and this dog was the sweetest freaking dog. Like, um, and, and when Jason said that the, she, the the PTSD uh, woman was was found uh, companionship in a dog, like never discount dogs. Like this dog was amazing, and it was found on the side of a road by some evil son of a bitch that just left it there to die. Right, and here you go. This 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 old man had a companion for what I'm assuming would be the rest of his life, because the guy was pretty up there in age, <laughs> just for the sake of somebody doing the right thing and stopping and taking these dogs. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. But you just triggered that when you were talking about the dogs. 
and it was recent just happened earlier in the week so it's it's fresh in my mind mm-hmm. but uh it it's just amazing that uh the the way dogs can remake your entire world right yeah it's true it is i do there you go you ain't lying a little bit of positivity at the end of this freaking episode there you go. Why not? Why not? It's what we're about. Because <laughs> we've been nothing but hating on everything. We've no, we've week. been super positive. That's a good thing. I mean, it makes me makes me excited. Um, hey, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. We hope you will investigate the other EOC avenues, which is the Facebook group and the newly instituted Facebook fitness group. What's it called? Health and Wellness. Facebook. Ha- uh, let, uh, EOC Health and Wellness. Nice. Nice. And everybody's doing their thing and lifting their weights and taking their steps and it's amazing and and you should you should uh investigate that. But if not, there's always the Twitters and there's the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics one one no apostrophe. You're hurt. Yeah, it's fun stuff. And we, we welcome you. We want you to come with us, whether it's Patreon or even even Facebook, just come and just be with us. Which is why we're here. And uh in the meantime Here's the pause. Let's do it. Say goodnight. Ooh. Wow, big old chug. <laughs> David. <laughs> night. Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> oh, maybe that. <laughs> David. That was a, yeah, I had a piece since like about. One and a half hours in. You drank 30 Lord. Of beer. I'm telling you. Piss in a bottle. My, my dick's like, we need to expel. My goodness. The penis. Must we get so graphic? You're yes. better than that. No, I'm not. Feet. No, I'm not better than that. I love to Yeah, if I burp on the episode, you're like, you're so much better well, than that. Well, because you're better than you're that. You're better than oh, that. I, I am not. Right. That's, that's what we're talking about. That's how it goes. God Whew. damn. Right. What the hell was that? He's filling his tires. I'm opening my seltzer, bruh. Jesus Christ. I got to say. What? It's not seltzer. It's flavored water, but it's okay. from it's from Walmart. Black cherry. Oh, my God. It's delicious. Oh, black cherry. Yes. Black, black. But it's like, you know, in seltzer, when you, you, you take the top off, you take that sip, that very first sip of seltzer is awesome. Every other sip after that degrades in quality. Second sip is okay. Third sip, it's not so good. I couldn't disagree more. And then you drink it. No, seltzer expired. This water tastes good all the way down to the bottom. I'll get you the name if you care. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of. Uh, uh, I'm a huge fan of seltzer. So, but seltzer never tastes better than the first sip. Well, if you drink it fast enough, every sip's like the first sip. Well, why you got to drink it fast? You guys eat too fast too. Why? Is, what's with the speed? <laughs> Shit! I, I mean, I just had a three-hour tasting menu in Chicago. I don't eat fast. You you do eat fast. When we go out, we you both of you are done long before I'm done. I don't know what it is. You guys, you guys I don't ah, think that's ah. accurate. Actually, I don't think that's accurate. But okay, I think it's very accurate. Dap, back me up. <laughs> By the way, did you know that they're bringing ecstatics back? Mm-hmm. Yes. Holy shit! Maybe that. Maybe that omnibus will come back in print. Is it Peter Milligan and Allred, yes. or is it just all? Oh, yes. really? Good. I'm that down. That's freaking awesome. I agree. Wow. Wow. Look at you. I loves it. You're gobsmacked. Really am. Who would have thunk? And Dupe is in it, too. 
Doop. That's doop. my man. You like doop. to do. Oh, by the way, to the listeners that have hung on this long, uh, they always do. I will not be on next week. <laughs> oh, there goes our numbers next week. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure. Not really. Rec- record numbers, but. Uh... <laughs> but see, I, I take issue when you said, "Oh, I won't be here next week," which is cool. But then the week after, you got a business thing. We'll do it on a Wednesday then. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was that. Yeah, I was yeah. hoping we would be able to do it on. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Dap and I will, will get a third, and we'll have a good time without you. I would hope you're going to do that. Well, we don't have to, but we could. Thank you. <laughs> That's for you. <laughs> is it is it dirty? No, it's a pinhead He-Man figure. A what? <laughs> From Funko. What? Get out of here. Yeah. Wait, I got to see it. What'd you do? Click the link. Send a swipe. Oh, the stupid Skype. I'm clicking it. It's gone. Wow. How do I get the messages up? All right, we'll just go here, put it on, do it on the Slack. Well, I got it. I got it. I got it. I think. Wow, that's cheap. I don't remember being so bulky. Well, he's a heat man figure. No, it's it's the 5 by 5 body type. Oh, they've been out for a while, dude. Oh, my bad. I mean, yeah, right? no. sorry. You, you sorry, can get I don't the. Have a, I don't have Google alerts. Life. I don't have Google alerts with pinhead. No, now. you can get that at Target, bitch. You can. Do you, do you have it? I I don't because um, there it's a whole line. You can get Freddy and Jason and Leatherface and Pinhead. Yeah, and, they're all. Yeah. yeah, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Wow, you're tough, man. I want to play this cuphead. I game. cannot decipher you when it comes to toys. I don't understand. <sighs> you'll go to a you'll go to a flea and you'll buy a half broken, busted up piece of plastic and think it's the greatest thing ever. And then, I know you love Pinhead and I know you love the He Man figures because you raved about them a couple months back. I do. And then Pinhead He Man figure like nah. No. It just I'm I'm like I I put my dap hat on when when it comes to the five point fives. Why the hell would you make a pinhead 5.5? It just doesn't make sense. As uh, opposed to all the, the Batman characters? I'm more inclined to buy, and, and I did, uh, to buy the, the, the DC Primal Age. Than, it's it's weird. It's just, uh, no, it's it's just weird. I don't like it. It's just, uh, so str- you're so strange. I am. I, I But I did get that Trypticon. Thank God you finally actually bought yourself a toy. I got a Trypticon, and I will say, and I texted Mario, I said, these decals are a bitch. There's like 200 decals you got to put on this thing. Hard out here for... It's rough, but mm-hmm. it's 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 awesome, and it's it's monstrous in size. And thanks to Big Bad Toy Store for having it at an affordable price. Mm-hmm. Almost. When you go on Big Bad Toy Store, always keep an eye out for, uh, for uh, Gestalt for me. Oh sure, are you talking like the high end ones? Because nah, oh, nah, you don't just, want third party. Just you the want Spider Wars. All right, yeah. okay. There's ton of tons of uh, Gescalts that are massively priced. Like we're talking four or five hundred no, bucks. Know. Yeah, no, I can't have that. All right, that's cool. Deep pockets, but anyway, right? Right? <laughs> he should have one in every room, but he doesn't. That's okay though. <laughs> but I'm not a Transformers guy. Why it's not? Like a tertiary interest. Have you been keeping up on the the Hobby Link? Um, I do. I own a bunch of uh, of of the uh, of the uh, Tamashi Nation stuff now. Yeah, but okay, but uh, but I haven't bought one in a while. I haven't really seen one in a while. 
Yeah, there's a bunch of Chigogans on there now. But I, I haven't seen any new ones in a while, though. You got to get the OG Sola Chigokin figures, like the Mazinga and the, the have it. Radine. Well, I, have, I, have it, I have the Mazinga in my office at work. Which one? One of the Chigokins. I don't know which one. Well, there's as far as the Mazinga, there's like one, two, three, four. There's about f- there's at least five. Well, I have one of them. Okay. Well, you needs to you needs to step up. I don't really like the OG Mazinger though. Oh my God! This is all we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Show's over. Thank you for joining us. No more eleven o'clock. Don't come back next week because we won't be here. Seriously. Oh, I mean, I have one. I don't need multiple, though. You do, though. You do. You do. No, no, I don't. I don't. So you're saying if I go to Hobby Link Japan right now and I type in Chigokin, I'm going to find ones I don't know about. I'm sure. Yeah, because I saw a couple that were on there recently that were pretty damn cool. None of these are new, though. Well, they were new to me. Well, you maybe haven't been paying as much attention then. All right. Although that Spaceship Yamato is dope, though. Yeah. Look at the price. All right, everybody. We've overstayed our welcome. We hope you return with us next week because we will next time because I'm sure we got to do six this month. Yes, of course we do. Yeah, so we'll get them in whether or not Jason wants to participate. Come back. Yeah, it's you. It's all on you. We love you so much. Say goodnight, gentlemen. Good night, gentlemen. gentlemen.